saw it we haven't talked about. Yeah, yeah. I figured you were going to say that for the banter here. I was. Yeah, I was. I loved it, man. Oh, and Last of the Mohicans. So you watched Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, yeah in, in, at the Arrow. From Michael uh, Mann. Yeah. And honestly, man, I mean, you might crucify me for this, but I know Logan probably would if, if he's listening, even more so than my Tarantino ranking, but I, I think that might be man's best movie. Wow. Yeah. Because it's it's been a long well that's not true so twice this year I've watched a movie and it like became an instant favorite yeah it was Kieslowski's um, camera buff and then mm-hmm. this um, but it's rare that that happens you know that's yeah. what we chase as as film buffs it's like yeah getting that next fix it's chasing the dragon right we chase that that yeah. movie that gives us that feeling but yeah dude and and that was the interesting thing too in um, in grad school there were two clips that our professor showed us that I hadn't seen mm-hmm. the movies uh, one was the at the time. One was the final du- du- duel from Harakiri, and then the the ending of Last of the Mohicans, mm-hmm. and it's like yes, watching those movies or watching those scenes without the context of the movie, mm-hmm. like you uh, you can appreciate it on a technical level, but mm-hmm. once you see those scenes, once you have the whole buildup of the movie, mm-hmm. it hits you on a whole like other level, you know. Yeah. And I I've rewatched the ending like three times since Sunday, <laughs> um, but it's like dude, it just like yeah, man. I mean, it's just the perfect yeah perfect blend of, of score and visuals. I think just it, like the way he frames so many shots in that movie, like there's that great shot where the, the the three mohegans are in the foreground mm-hmm. and then the two sisters are on the the right of frame and, mm-hmm. and the british guys on the on the left of frame and it's just like perfectly you know framed it's like all these great long t- i mean I, I i could have gotten like another hour of just daniel day lewis running yeah. in slow motion you know to that to that to that track score track i mean it, it's <laughs> it really i said before it's it's the one man film that there's warmth to it yeah like vi- like the colors Visually, it's, yeah. it's so warm not that i don't love the looks of you no, know, no, no, heat no. Or, or thief. Or, no, no, no. It's just they're different. It, it just feels different. very different. Maybe that's why I appreciated it so yeah. much. I don't know. But last, I mean, I thought the story was great too. Yeah. Because like, I think I, I compared when we, when we talked about last things on here yeah. back in the day when we did our Michael Mann podcast. Go check that out. I don't know what number is off the top of my head. It's in the 200 or something. I think it's like 213 or something like yeah. that. So backtrack. It's about a year ago. But I remember talking about last Mohicans. I was like, yeah, this feels like, like a movie that Michael Mann wouldn't make. It feels like a movie that Peter Weir would make. Oh, I see what you mean. Because of how large and epic it is. Yeah. And, and the thing about Mann and Peter Weir is that both their films, or both their their kind of careers and the films they make, have these massive canvases. It's like it's just that they, they, yeah. they have these really broad strokes they want to do, but they have these, when you look at a, a big canvas of painting, you get to see all the little details. And that's what like Peter, uh, Peter Weir and Michael Mann do, is that to a point also, like, obsessive is the thing man yeah. man being the the most known of this where i i've heard many stories of how obsessed he can be and to a point of uh, i mean detriment to people or yeah. to, to 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 the production sometimes but it's like it it creates these beautiful images and that's the kind of the, the yeah. argument you have of what to do but like but last weekend is the one where like it feels like so completely different where and it's right in the middle is kind of the thing yeah. like right in the middle of the career where it's like it's after Thief, it's after The Keep, it's after Manhunter, but it's right before Heat, and it's right before The Insider and all that stuff. So it kind of like transitions into the 90s period. But yeah, I think I think it was in my top three or four for him. Because he's one of those filmmakers where I just, he, I think he's made so many yeah. amazing movies, it's hard to judge. Um, but to have that kind of, I think it's back-to-back of, Last Mohicans and in, in Heat, yeah, is is kind of insane. And it's I, just firing all cylinders. Yeah, and I think the Insider is also phenomenal. I film. love I love the Insider. Yeah, and um, but yeah, yeah. But, see, here's the thing: is like he always nails those final shootouts, right? But I think what yeah people don't always mention with Man is mm-hmm. he's so great at the central romance, man. 
Yes. And like, it, it's not like he even like, it, it's not even like he's beating us over the head with it. Like there's just like little moments. And even that romance between um the other Mohican and, mm-hmm. and, the, and her sister. Yes. And that's all just through looks. Like they never yes. even, I don't feel they like they ever no, speak. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's a perfect buildup to, you know, the finale. Well, so it's, it's like, it, yeah, he, he's so good at that, man. It's, it's just in that visual shot of, of Daniel Day-Lewis holding her. And yeah. it's like, and it just spins around and it's like the beautiful yeah. light. Oh my God, bro. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, never read the book. Oh yeah. Never read the book yeah. if you love the movie because the book is, if I remember correctly, so drastically different in the outcomes of the characters you love in less in the in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I love most of the characters, but like I just know like certain characters that might have a say a sacrifice of some sure. kind in the movie sure. does not happen in the book. Oh, and it's okay. kind of the exact opposite, where it's like certain people who live in the movie don't exactly live in the book's ending and because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's again talking about context the time is that the books were kind of about like this is what we want like our new world in america to be like so we want we want women and men to follow these types of kind of like um examples basically try to follow these type of examples of these people and last mohegan's i think in 92 is when man makes it it's our ideas of the way things should be have changed. So I think, and I think he changes them well mm-hmm. to make a really good movie with really interesting character choices mm-hmm. for the people. But yeah, yeah, I pitched it to my buddy because I like that movie's tailor made for him. So it's, I'm excited yeah. to hear what do it's. You, what do it's an amazing film. Like it, it's really an amazing film. Um, but yeah, and so but speaking of saying script to screen adaptations, yeah, uh, with Last of the Mohicans, I'm. I know with today's movie, there's there's some changes between oh, yeah. the book and the movie. Well, it's fascinating, the uh, the lineage of how this gets to screen, which yeah. we'll dive into. But yeah. we're talking about Frankenstein 1931 today. Correct. But before we dive oh, into yeah. Frankenstein 1931, <laughs> no, yeah, we're talking about Frankenstein 91. We're talking about monster movies uh, this month. Not doing it in, in October. We're doing it in May. Monster May is what we're calling well, it. Well, I just like the alliteration of... Uh, monster May, yeah. <laughs> well, Because Thomas was going to be kind of gone, and just because... our for people to know how we record the show, it's it's a very tight. It's like South <laughs> schedule. Park. Yeah. yeah, it's very much South Park. Is that we have a very tight schedule where we're not really ahead weeks wise. Is that we're recording this right now, like two days before this comes out. Um, that's kind of what we do. And we do it weekly. Um, and Thomas had some stuff come up, so David has stepped in for this month, and Thomas will be on for the Patreon, which has a little bit looser schedule with how he release stuff. Um, so David's on this month, and David. When we, I asked him what's a genre or maybe a director you want to cover, and this was the one that you picked. Like, what about monster movies? So I guess first off, why did you want to do monster movies? I mean, it's one of my favorite genres, man. I know, <laughs> but yeah, I th- I, they don't know that, though, David. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you know, since I was a kid, man, I've always loved monster movies. But I think, and, and will definitely be a point with Frankenstein today. And we were kind of joking about this a few weeks ago when we did the uh, trivia night. Yeah, but I think monster movies can explore aspects of humanity like the the monster within humanity if that makes yes. sense which we will definitely talk about so like mm-hmm. the, people just write it off as like it can't can just write it off as like schlocky like yeah. you know genre movies like just oh there's a monster that's killing people you know mm-hmm. but there's there's more to it uh you know the, the good ones at least the great yeah, yeah. Ones. um but yeah i mean i've always loved these movies since i was a kid love practical effects love monster designs uh yeah i mean I, and i'm not exactly sure what connected me to that at a young age i mean i think the movie today was a, probably one of the big yeah. uh, reasons in Jurassic Park and, you know, Jaws, you know, some of yeah. the creature features I watched when I was a kid. But yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I've always loved this genre. And uh, 
I figured it'd be something interesting to tackle. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you bring in the effects aspect of it because again, with this I with some of these genres, I always like coming in as blind as possible. Like I I'll read a few things here and there, but with this, it's like as you're saying, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe it's like dumb me. I just I don't always think about certain things when I'm coming into it because we're moving so fast. But it's like, oh yeah, practical effects. Okay, cool. Let's break this all down. Yeah, most of these not all of them, but a lot of them are so heavy mm-hmm. and practical or effects in some way. Makeup, practical effects, CGI, I think, later on as we get later into filmmaking. But, he, but even then, has, it has that element of creature design, right? Yes. Like they're building, well, I think they're creating I, a creature. I think Attack, of the, Attack the Block is an example exactly. with those aliens. Or Cloverfield. Cloverfield, or, yes. Yeah. And but with these earlier on, and we're kind of jumping around a lot this month with this, um, is this kind of... No, oh, you mean like the timeline? Of, of, yeah, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, just chronological. Like, yeah. We're doing American World, World in London next week. Just, we're going from 30s to the 80s yeah, yeah. very quickly. Um, but makeup and practical effects have a big, sure. big play in all this. Um, and yeah, it's seeing how monster movies are part of culture in some way, and we'll see how that kind of relates mm-hmm. as we get later into it. Um, and, and have always been. Yeah. Or at least for monster well, even, mo- yeah, even I think, novels, but I was going to yeah. say in film history as well. Yeah, I think a monster movie, I mean, mo- any type of horror is yeah. can we get in the, the, the Or even you look at myths, right? Yeah. yeah you know, old, old legends and myths, right? And there's some, and speaking of myths, yes, with mo- it's like there is a meaning behind some of these that could be fables in some way. And I think with like today's movie specifically with Frankenstein, right. and I think a lot of James Wells stuff that he did in kind of these early thirties films is kind of the meaning behind and also to Mary Shelley's actual Frankenstein right. novel. Um, it is kind of how integral the theme is to, to the monster. Um, and, and, and I know we'll talk about that with Frankenstein, kind of how that transition, how we it keeps some of it in there, but also doesn't fully sure. keep into it. Um, but yeah, so, and so with monsters, what you said, Jurassic Park, from what other movies you think of within the genre, when you think of monster movies, or what and types of monsters, I guess. Too. Oh, I mean, like all. Oh, yeah. So yeah, vampires. I mean, I, I think I, a lot of people would go back to the Universal monsters yes. because it's really the prototype. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there were silent, you know, mm-hmm. monster movies, but let, that was like when it was like, the, and we'll talk about that today. Why that became pro, like so yeah. popular and profitable. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I mean, you look at that. I mean, that has uh, quite a few right there. You got the mm-hmm. werewolf. You got the vampires. You got, um, you know. Uh, the you mummy, know, yeah, the mummy. Uh, you know, you got a whole a bunch right there. You got aliens, uh, Preach, yeah. not not in not in universal monsters, but yeah, yeah, yeah. in like, general, yeah, yeah, in monsters, general, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and then there's even like like we talk about legends and folklore. You know, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of, uh, you know, and then uh, you go into different cultures, like sure, the kaiju, exactly, and got with Godzilla Chupacabra. and everything. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, and that's the fascinating thing is that that transition to film, like we're talking about, it's like the design, like how do you bring that to life, right, mm-hmm. uh, on screen? So. Uh, I don't know. That's one thing that's always fascinating me about the genre. It's like, especially now, it's like, how do you create a completely new design? You know? Yeah, it yeah. is. And especially if you look at Mary Shelley's or like the paragraph in her novel mm-hmm. about when the when the monster comes to life, it's like it just. I think she just has like yellow eyes, and she describes something about his skin, but mm-hmm. she doesn't mm-hmm. really give you much to go, go off go of off as of. a <laughs> yeah as a you know production designer or you know. Um, and and so, I guess I guess what are some kind of tropes and story type things you think of within this genre like i think it's in some like monsters sometimes can be a representation of like yeah our fears or, or, or our yeah, human or, flaws yeah, or our arrogance yeah our arrogance yes and and i think like for example look at alien or jaws or something sometimes it's like humanity going into a place they shouldn't be going to like they're going yes. into somebody else's turf right yeah and and so it's like 
in that in, in that situation is is the monster really at fault? You know, almost yeah. it's like we're, we're you know we're we're messing with them. So it's like I mean, it's yeah. it's the Jurassic Park question yeah. I think goes this too. Is that oh yeah, same just, thing. Yeah. Just because we can doesn't mean yeah. we should. Is the yeah. thing. Well, I, I mean, Goldblum's whole speech right there. That's yeah. the, that's the crux. I feel like of a lot of these things. Like, yeah. You, before you even thought about it, you packaged it. You you know you sold it. You sold it. Yeah. And then think maybe we shouldn't right. do this. Right. Like there's a re. It's like the whole thing. Like there was a reason they went extinct. Yeah. They went extinct. Yeah. Um, and you're putting them back in this whole new world. And it's the same with say Frankenstein. Is that this person died? There's yeah. a reason death and life exist. Right. And to try to conquer that. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be repercussions. Absolutely, is the thing. Um, but yeah, I think of that. I think of kind of the most again. Monsters are can be can be villains, but in some cases, it's they're villains because we are making them villains in a way. Um, I know some things have changed over time, where it's like uh, um, I know kind of Godzilla and stuff. How like Godzilla kind of becomes the protagonist of a lot of the Godzilla sure. movies. But even then, it's also like the original Godzilla. It's like that's a reaction to the atomic. You know, the age, age, age yes, right? Exactly. Not, not in, you know, Tommy Bomb in the movie, but exactly. It, uh, but yes. Um, but yeah, I, and I always think, yeah, the, and again, kind of how, again, talking about society tackle it, trying to t- take over or kill the monster in some way. Um, and with, I think we'll talk about today is maybe the the mob mentality, kind the of mob thing. mentality yeah. of it all. It's like, I mean, honestly, think of the 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 the. the the ending of this movie and like the ending of like say Beauty and the Beast, yeah, the animated film, where it's like it's the same type of thing. It's the mob goes to this the find this mo- this possible monster to get rid of it is the thing, and the different perspectives where, and this it's like we'll talk about more with with, with the creature, um, is that he's still seen as a villain and portrayed as kind of a villain or or a misunderstood being is sure. the thing. Um, but we well, I mean, also he's essentially an, an adolescent, right? He's like, he is. He's, he's, he's a up. child who doesn't understand. He, who yeah. he's who a happens chi- to have an abnormal brain. Who has an abnormal brain. Abby <laughs> that's normal, not his fault. Yeah. An Abby normal brain. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's that he doesn't fully understand the world that he lives in, so he doesn't know the rules. So it's we'll talk about like the little girl scene at the yeah. lake and everything. Yeah, well, we'll talk that, about that extensively. It's that the, the the thing with with his character is that he's not. He has the mind of adolescence, but the body of a physical, giant. Yeah, a giant essentially. <laughs> yeah. And so it doesn't match up, but yeah, it's it's this misunderstanding that kind of comes with a lot of these monsters, um, and then but also just kind of the if you talk about like vampires and Dracula, where it's the the temptation of things. I think with with those type with those type stories, um, Dracula, I think Fright Night, which we might talk about at some point, at least gets mentioned this month. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the I, I guess I don't know because monster movies, I feel like. There's a lot of big ones and there's a lot of like lesser known yeah, yeah. ones. And so, that's well, I mean, you know, there was a whole slew of like B movies in the 50s yeah. and, you know, or even like in the 80s, they would make cheapo monster, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 And I mean, Corman made a bunch of cheap monster Corman flicks about, yeah. back in the day. So it's like, it was, it was something that was, uh, it was easy to market, I feel like, because you just mm-hmm. like put a monster on the poster and like, oh, okay, yeah. we know what this movie people is. People right? like monsters, <laughs> people like screams and thrills, yeah. baby. Yeah. So, but I'm excited to talk about Frankenstein today, yeah. and so you picked this movie, so let's just hop right into it. Uh, to the intro? Sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. Tell uh, me about Frankenstein. Yeah, so Frankenstein 19, released in 1931. Mm-hmm. It was based on the 1927 play adaptation by Margaret Webling, which was mm-hmm. adapted to the American stage by John L. Balderston, but it never actually made it to Broadway. Huh. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? But, and I didn't know this either, because Dracula, which it was the, the Universal Monster movie before this, yeah. 
it, it was Todd also Browning, ba- yeah, yeah, it was also based on a play. I didn't realize both okay. of them were not based on the original novel, but because both of well, I don't know about Dracula. I know this one for sure was in public domain, mm-hmm. so they just bought the rights to the play, and so they would have that adaptation. But there were some interesting changes mm-hmm. to the play, which I'll get into. But anyways, all of this was based on Mary Shelley's original 1819 novel, Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, yeah. which was the uh, subtitle. Um, and yeah, it tells the story of Henry Frankenstein. A scientist, or mad scientist, who attempts to uncover the secrets of life and death, but in turn creates a monster who wreaks havoc on the community and his own life. But is the monster even fully conscious of what he's doing? Right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the question at the at the center of the movie. Directed by James Whale. Credited writers are Garrett Fort, Francis Edward Farrow, and then there's uncredited Robert Flory and John Russell. And there was also the story editor Richard Scheher. Sounds about Scheher. right for 1930s Hollywood. All right. Produced by Carl Limley Jr., yep. son of Carl Limley, co-founder of Universal. Uh, cinematography by Arthur Edison. Mm-hmm. Jack Pierce did the famous makeup, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. quite a bit. And then Ken Strickfadden, uh, did, he, his credit was Special Electrical Properties, which is I, which is basically all the crazy shit that's in Frankenstein's lab, mm-hmm. um, which he apparently had been collecting for years from like machine parts found in industrial trash and like discarded automobiles and stuff like that. So he just had like this collection of stuff, and he was like, I guess he was just waiting for the this. perfect. Yeah. yeah, but we'll talk about the the impact, um, his designs and, and stuff. I mean, uh, designs are amazing. Yeah, the designs amazing. Have had, and then the cast, of course, we got Colin Clive as Henry mm-hmm. Frankenstein, and so um, very important if you've only read the novel, Henry and Victor's names are flipped from the from the novel, which was actually in the original play. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so so in the in the book, you're saying Henry is the friend. Victor is Victor Frankenstein. In the book. Correct. Copy that. In the movie, okay. it's the other way. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and then May Clark plays Elizabeth, Frankenstein's fiance. Uh, the monster is credited as question mark, but we all know it was played by Boris yeah. Karloff. Which uh, is why you get, you might, I don't want to skip ahead, but, yeah. but you, why you get the credits at the beginning and credits at the end. Exactly. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're like, we, we got to give him credit. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, man. Uh, you got John Bowles as Victor Moritz, who's a friend to both Frankenstein and Elizabeth, and may or may not have the hots for, for yeah. Elizabeth. Uh, we got Edward Van Sloan as Dr. Waldman, who was sort of a mentor to Frankenstein before mm-hmm. he kind of jumped off this cliff in regards to his sanity. Yeah. Uh, but he comes back to, you know, to help Frankenstein uh, uh, throughout this this process. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had also played Van Helsing in, in Dracula. Um, okay. Uh, we got Frederick Kerr as Baron Frankenstein, who's Henry's father. There's Dwight Fry as Fritz, Henry's mm-hmm. hunchbacked assistant. Uh, Fritz, uh, Fritz also wasn't in the original novel, but he was in the first recorded play adaptation, Presumption or the Fate of Frankenstein, in 1823. Um, and then he oh. also played Dracula's assistant Renfield in Dracula in Todd Browning's Dracula. Um, there's mm-hmm. Lionel Belmore as the burger burgermaster, who's basically the leader of the town. Mm-hmm. And then we also have Marilyn Harris as Little Maria, who we will discuss, of course, quite extensively from that lake scene. And she was actually yeah. only seven years old when they when they made oh, man. Um, the film is currently streaming on Classics, which I I have no idea what that is, but that was the only thing that was streaming for free. Streaming, yeah. And it was also, of course, it's available to rent on all major platforms. And I know at one point it was on the Criterion Channel. I'm sure that it will be added again around the, the Halloween and whatnot. Yeah, it's one that I feel like too will probably be on Peacock. Sure, come October. So. Yeah, but uh, I I would definitely suggest watching this in HD um, because I watched yeah. the DVD copy for for the commentary track. Yeah, and yeah, man, you just missed a lot of the contrast and. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I watched like a kind of a uh, HD quality one, and yeah. it was it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful, and it's in 4K now. They have a 4K release of oh, at least wow. at least the major ones. Because like yeah. yeah, the the opening, which I don't want to jump too far. I have a favorite yeah. scene, but like the opening of like them at the cemetery, and it cuts to to Henry's face. Amazing op- like amazing <laughs> intro to a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agreed. Oh, um, well, definitely. That's uh, we'll definitely talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but uh, okay. So, but uh, you know, we'll get into like. Um, how we first came to this. So when was yeah. the first time you saw Frankenstein or, or what's your oh, kind of history gosh. with it? So Frankenstein. 
Um, so the first time I, Frankenstein came to my life, I watched a movie called a little movie called Young Frankenstein by Mel Brooks. Oh, so you'd seen that before any of the oh, universe? Yes. Oh wow. Over and over again. Like wow. that's what's so that's what's so hard. And times I've talked about this on our Mel Brooks episode, we're like, it's sometimes so hard to separate like the comedy aspect of Young Frankenstein to the like to Bride of Frankenstein or Frankenstein because like Brooks like really hits the same yeah. type scenes. The little girl scenes in there, like the mob mentality thing is in there. It's a, like it's alive, it's alive. That whole yeah. thing is in there. Like all that stuff's kind of in the robbing the graves, having to get a different brain, all these different things. Um, it's all in there. So it's it's funny watching back yeah. and looking at this now. And Bride is similar with this. It's like there's just moments that you that, that Bell Brooks did a really good job of kind of copying. Sure. And I guess I feel that way about Blazing Saddles because I hadn't seen a lot well, of the Westerns. classic westerns. Yeah. yeah. Same. Same. Uh, and and like the like the whole Randolph Scott Scott joke just went over my head. You know, yes, when I was younger. I mean, exactly. I thought it was funny, but I was like, I didn't even get yeah, there's the, the context yeah. of it. Yeah, I, yeah. Still, I still don't think I've seen any Randolph Scott westerns, but I'm gonna check out oh, some he's of that. Got some good yeah, ones. I know you 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 re- yeah. re- referred a few. Yeah. Um, uh, seven men from now. Yeah. Uh, but but you, Criterion's about to release that set. Yeah, this yeah, way. yeah. And then I was <laughs> joking about that. You do it for Randolph Scott. You <laughs> Randolph Scott. <laughs> It's funny because Young Frankenstein was shown in class, mm-hmm. in, in class in high school. And I was the only one who had seen it, I think, or one of the few who had seen it. And this one kid was like, I don't want to watch this old movie. I was like, oh, actually, I mean, yes, it's relatively yeah. old, but it's not from the era that you think. You it's think it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a black was, and white movie. I was movie. that guy. Um, yeah. I was right. that guy in high school, which explains a lot, I'm sure. Right. Lonesome's the one I'm thinking of uh, with Ralph Scott. Yeah. So I had seen Young Frankenstein many, many times. And then I don't know when... I watched Frankenstein again. It's probably one I initially found or watched because I think it was on the original AFI top 100. I'm not positive, but wasn't on the one later, but it was something where I probably watched it because of that. So it was on my like list, my like high school list. I have like movies I should watch. So I watched it then and then probably didn't come back to it until I mean, a few years later, but certain scenes like the windmill scene and stuff like that always kind of sure. kind of stuck in my head. Um, it might, it might've been much later now that I think about it, but anyway, but I read, I know it had to be, it had to be college because I read the novel in college is what it was. And so I know I had seen the movie before then. So I had to probably see high school or early, early college. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that was, I think f- fresh second year, second, I think freshman, freshman year, early sophomore year college. Um, that you read the novel? That I read the novel because we did, we I can't remember what, it was an English class, literature class, but I remember I wrote a paper on it because we basically, the the, the prompt was like, pick one of the things we covered this, uh, this, uh, this semester and like compare and contrast between a more modern story that could have connections to it. So I did Frankenstein, Edward Scissorhands is what it was and talking about the, the, man creating something uh and how the mob the town reacts to it and the the idea of life and death and and the loneliness and isolation of these characters and all that stuff um so that's kind of where i where i came more cut more known to it uh in that period and then i think watched brian frankenstein years later but I've never really ventured into, as you have, as you'll t- probably talk about, the other movies in the Frankenstein yeah. series. Um, so yeah, it's it's one that because I, I I've seen the, the the Universal Monster movies, most of the big ones. I've never really revisited them mm-hmm. that much. Is the thing like I think I've seen Dracula once. I've seen the Mummy, the the Boris Kof, the or Boris Kof in the Mummy. I think twice or so. 
Um, I've only seen that one once. Yeah, it's 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 a slow movie. That movie for for how, for this yeah, that was short definitely my least time, favorite of uh, at yeah. least of the main series of this again. Area. Phenomenal makeup effects in the yeah. opening part, Karloff, but I. I think I watched it with 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 Derek and Ethana during yeah. like COVID at one point, and I was or maybe maybe it was, it was maybe just Derek, um, but it was at their old old place, and uh, yeah, it was it was like I fell asleep and I'd seen it. I was like I've seen it before I'm okay, and I usually <laughs> don't fall asleep in movies for the most part, and I was and, it, and I was like this movie is like seventy minutes, and I'm like it's dragging, <laughs> um, but it's and it's it's fine, um, but it, I think it's, it's it's one of the lesser ones I think. Yeah. With something like Frankenstein and Dracula, where, I mean, I love the Wolfman too. Wolfman's I, great too. Yeah, I, 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 I like I like Invisible Man a lot as well. I now okay now Invisible Man I do love because yeah. I love Claude Rains and yeah. that's the thing and the effects in that are insane. Yeah, and and I think it's good to bring up Invisible Man because I think Invisible Man and Frankenstein, both being from James Well, yeah. have very similar ideas and themes they're going sure, for. Absolutely. It's about like. It's about men trying to play God, exactly, and the effects that it con- or what the outcome that you you get yeah. when you try to do that. So that's my history. What is your history? So with it. So like AMC, uh, I mean they still do it. They still mm-hmm. do the horror movie marathons around October. But when I was a kid, they would play a lot of these, um, mm. and they'd play a lot of you know like kaiju, like they'd play a lot of the Showa era Godzilla films. Uh, but anyway, so I'd, I'd seen most of these Universal ones as a kid. I don't, but I know for a fact because I remember images from from Frankenstein that I saw this around that mm-hmm. time, and this was one of my mom's favorites. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the imagery and ideas of it kind of seeped into my unconscious at an early age, mm-hmm. specifically that lake scene and and the um, the aftermath of that. Um, but I didn't really revisit it. I don't think until college. Uh, I took mm-hmm. an international horror class. And um, uh-huh. but at some point in high school, we had re- we read like a chapter for Frankenstein, but I don't think we ever read it cover to cover. So I I, I hadn't yeah. read the novel until literally like it was like a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read seventy five percent of it in wow in a, in a sitting at work. I mean, it's a great 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 novel. It's and, a great and novel. We'll talk about kind of the differences. And but anyways, I, I I think yeah, I've always been fascinated by this. And I and I think even as a kid, I I recognize like oh, this is like a pure monster like monster movie. You know, this is mm-hmm. like this this like established a lot. You know. And um, I've only grown to appreciate that, you know, having that context in that international horror uh, film class that I took yeah. in undergrad. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I've uh, so I've I mean, I've seen it a bunch since. I mean, I watched it uh, twice and then once with the commentary for the mm-hmm. for this episode. But I, I I revisited it a couple Halloween's ago. I think. And, so. and luckily the movie's like seventy minutes. Yeah, so it's exactly. A, it's a pretty quick watch to do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we can get into the the history now if uh, yeah. you're ready. Um, I did realize we did we never said our names. Is it? Oh yeah, I'm Brand Sparks. I'm also David Glenn. <laughs> Everyone the fourth. This is yep. the Nation Podcast. I'm sorry, the banter thing yeah. really throws me off sometimes. <laughs> we got it's a late title card. Yeah, it's, it's like, a late uh, title card. This is like drive my car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, history of Frankenstein, 1931. So there were actually three silent film adaptations mm-hmm. of Frankenstein. One, 1910, by Edison Studios, which yeah. is on YouTube. I actually watched it. It's it's interesting. Oh, wow. Um, and it's funny because I, we watched Amelia's short the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, the other night, yeah. And it's like, I've seen a lot of his stuff, but I haven't really seen a lot of the Edison studio stuff. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know. But, uh, so I, I do want to dive in more of that, but yeah, it's 10 minutes uh, or sorry, 15 minute one reeler. Um, and there was also life without soul in 1914. And then in Italy in 1920, there was Il Mostro di Frankenstein or the monster of Frankenstein. Uh, and in 1930, so we'll jump ahead now. So that yeah. was the three, you know, Frankenstein. Adaptations prior to this. So in 1930, Universal wasn't doing so hot. They mm-hmm. lost 2.2 million in revenues. But you know, not everybody was doing so hot. We were in the you know starting the Great Depression. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, Dracula was a smash hit though in 1931 yeah. and was the largest of Universal's releases that year. Uh, Carl Limley Jr. Uh, 
so Brandon, guess what? What did? What do you think Carl Lindley Jr. got for his twenty first birthday? A movie studio. Uh, essentially, uh, he was <laughs> he was he was made head of production yeah. in 1921 of Universal. 21st so he, birthday. Yeah, 21st yeah. birthday. Can you imagine? I'm a movie man. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he really wanted to make horror pictures. Yeah. And uh, his father, he, he didn't get it. He, yeah. He, but he couldn't deny the success of Dracula. And so they all felt Frankenstein was the next logical step. Mm-hmm. So they purchased the film rights to that play that I mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Because, again, the novel was already in public domain. I guess they just wanted something to go off of. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's, there's already a structure there. Because, right. again, yeah. it's like... And it gives them, like, oh, it's just we need these few sets. We don't have to... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. play-wise. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they, they, as we'll mention, they, they made quite, uh, changes. But um, And uh, they originally wanted Lugosi, actually, who, yep. had, who had just started as Dracula, to play the monster. But he didn't want to be hidden by all the makeup, and he didn't want to be mute, essentially. Um, because he... And to give him credit, I, I think... Dra- I mean, Dracula is, I mean, obviously he's the title character, but his performance it largely carries Dracula in my yes. opinion. Um, but anyways, Robert Flory was the original director, who I mentioned was one of the uncredited writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that iteration of the story made the monster more of like an outright monster. He didn't mm-hmm. really have the pathos that the later drafts and I think Karloff brought to the, yeah. to the character through his performance. Um, but they did do a camera test on a set left over from Dracula with the makeup. And um, according to a lot of people, it, it resembled, I think, I think, in German, uh, in Germany, it's pronounced the Golem. Mm-hmm. I always call it Golem because of Lord of the Rings, I guess. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I know it's spelled differently, but the Golem, uh, which was a silent German expressionist film, mm-hmm. uh, apparently it made the head of the studio laugh like a hyena. <laughs> and Jack Pierce, uh, he felt that it was Lugosi, Lugosi's fault largely because um, he had in his his input had negatively influenced mm-hmm. the makeup. He he wouldn't really like listen to other people's ideas, and he thought that his ideas were the best. Um, Lugosi did. Yeah. Um. And apparently, Betty Davis was also initially considered for Elizabeth. Uh, thirty one. Yeah. yeah and, she's and, she's not as big as that point right. yet, so that makes sense. Um. But anyways, uh, Whale. You know, now we'll jump to James Whale. It, con- concurrently, he had been uh, a successful theater director. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more than that, he'd done like a variety of jobs within the theater scene, mm-hmm. uh, and he could do them all, essentially. He's kind of like a, a James Cameron in that way. Um, mm-hmm. He had a big success with his play Journey's End, or with the play Journey's End, mm-hmm. uh, which originally starred Laurence Olivier in a, in a few performances. Oh, wow. uh, but the play was well-received and opened later at the Savoy Theater in January 1929. This is, again, this is in England, mm-hmm. with Colin Clive uh, in the lead role. Um, and it was brought to Broadway here in the States, which Whale also directed at the Henry... Miller's Theater in March of 1929, and it ran for over a year. Um, But this naturally, of course, brought Whale to the attention of film producers who at that time were mining theater directors because, uh, and actors as well, because Mm -hmm. the industry was kind of adapting to sound pictures. They wanted people with experience with with With, dialogue. With talking, yes. And of course, or sorry, and then this led to Whale working as a a dialogue director on a couple pictures, Mm -hmm. including Howard Hughes' Hell's Angels. Um, And this was all before he adapted Journey's End to the screen, Mm -hmm. which premiered in April of 1930 and was a huge critical and commercial success, and Mm -hmm. it also starred Colin Clive. Uh, who again was the, is the lead in this? Mm-hmm. Uh, he then signed a five-year contract in 1931 with Universal. The first picture was Waterloo Bridge, which starred May Clark, who again plays Elizabeth in this. And Waterloo Bridge is good. And I haven't seen it yet. Super sad ending. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert! But apparently, he really enjoyed working with with May Clark in that. Yeah. Uh, Frederick Kerr was also in it, and you know, also was a huge success. Yeah, it's um, it's again a pre a pre code film, which yeah. Frankenstein's a pre code film as well, and so it was like kind of a super. It t- takes place I think during World War One. Um, does she play a prostitute or something? It's something like yeah. that because the, yeah, because what what happens is, which was was a key back then. Talk about people remaking stuff nowadays, is that studios had made movies in the pre code era that made a lot of money, and be, 
because of the new code, they couldn't re-release them, mm-hmm. so they just remade them. And so that's, that's what happened with Waterloo Bridge. They made it in 1931, and then nine years later, they made it again with uh, Vivian Lee. Is what oh, it interesting. Was, right after Gone with the Wind. Um, and so that's like a way to... Yeah. to And, and the same thing kind of happened with Maltese Falcon, is the thing, is that Maltese Falcon had a pre-coded movie, and they are like, well, we can't release this, but yeah. it did well. Let's just remake it, and do it differently well, you gotta think about back then though it's like they didn't have like once, no. it, once it ran it ran once it ran it yeah, ran yeah. there was no way to keep yeah. it that's that's sometimes people don't realize just how mind-boggling it is sometimes think about like the movies we can just have instant access yeah. to back then people saw it they never saw it again yeah. like it's kind of the thing unless it did get a re-release which yeah. we'll talk and about later and there's no and there's no way to kind of like keep up with like right what was that movie i watched three years ago yeah in 1938 like it's because at that point everyone talks about they didn't have letterbox they have letterbox and at that point too um as someone talked about recently movie theater movie theaters are like this like the slowest death of a business ever because like this ticket sales hit an all-time high in the 30s yeah pre-world war ii and during the depression and we've never hit that height again we've just been a downward trend ever since for almost a hundred years which is wild to me um, but yeah, anyway, yeah. So then we made, yeah, he did Waterloo Bridge. I'm jumping, I'm jumping on. Sure, around. yeah, yeah. Made uh, Waterloo Bridge. And then, okay, because of that. the success of, of that, um, Carl Lindley Jr. offered Whale his choice of what they owned, mm-hmm. what Universal owned. And Whale chose Frankenstein, mm-hmm. partially because he didn't want to make another war picture. Um, mm-hmm. this is a quote mm-hmm. from him it was the strongest meat, and it gave me a chance to dabble in the macabre. Which that sounds like James Whale. <laughs> um, and so, of course, because Whale wanted to sign on now, Flory and Lugosi were kicked off the project. But they were given Murders mm-hmm. in the Rue Morgan set, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen that either, yeah. but I, yeah, I, know, I know that was a big Lugosi picture. Yeah. A big, um, big Lugosi picture. And so at this point, the studio wanted Leslie Howard for the role of Frankenstein, but Whale wanted Colin Clive, who he'd worked with on the stage and in screen. Leslie Howard. Yeah. Because Leslie Howard's in Gone with the Wind as well. Um, I don't love him. Don't love him. <laughs> um, Whale was the one who wanted Karloff. Allegedly, it was his. Okay, by the way, Whale was. Um, Whale was. Was gay. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, but he was uh, kind of out about yeah, it. He, yeah, he was very he, open. He was openly yeah. gay about it. And at that period, was very. Yeah. That was very unique. Um. So allegedly, it was his lover at the time, the producer David Lewis, who suggested Karloff. And mm. this was, th- this was Karloff's eighty-first film credit, according to a, a, an interview with his daughter Sarah. Wow. I don't know if, if that was accurate, but it was, you know, think about that. That's crazy. Yeah. But this was the one that kind of allowed him to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in, and in fact, he worked as a as a truck driver in the in the mid-20s as well while, while trying to, you know, while he was acting. Yeah. Anything yeah. right now. Truck yeah. driving back then, very different yeah. than truck driving now. But still, anyways, still truck driving, but still very just, yeah. Yeah, but anyways, Whale approached Karloff at the Universal Commissary, and that's mm-hmm. a now famous meeting that kind of led to both of their, you know, both yeah. of their careers skyrocketing after this. Um, Jack Pierce, with the input of Whale, evolved the makeup for three weeks prior to production. Yeah. Um, and they really worked on, like, the shadow definition in his faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karloff would, like, suck his cheek in a little bit, and they, they highlighted that with, with makeup so that mm-hmm. the shadows would, and then, of course, with the chiaroscuro lighting and the Rembrandt lighting, yeah. it would it would give it that effect of um, making him look other and, and otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, those you know, they designed those inlets uh, for, like, electricity on his neck. Um, and, of course, the costume was also very important for how he'd move. Mm-hmm. So his legs were stiffened by steel struts. He had heavy boots, uh, double-quilted suits, shortened sleeves to make his arms appear longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they... they really took their time to design the monster and according to Karloff he knew that they had it when he took a stroll down the studio corridor and scared the shit out of an unsuspecting prop man uh, 
He later quit and started working for Fox. <laughs> yeah, you think imagine imagine you're just like in the in the prop like house and all of a sudden I'm going to Paramount. All of a sudden Frankenstein's monster comes around the corner like Oh man. So but anyways, with that, uh, I can get into our favorite scenes. And we kinda already touched about talked about the opening imagery, but I think it perfectly sets the mood. Yeah, op- yeah. I mean, um, what and I do love that shot because it's like starts on Fritz. Well, like Fritz rises into frame. Fritz rises, and yes. Then he, and then Frankenstein kind of makes him lean down. But it's it's cool because they're both framed within the frame by the the posts on the fence. You know. Yeah. Oh no. We got a. Uh, we got too many movies. Party foul. Too many movies. Away. Too many movies. Sorry, it's it is what it is. Um, no. Uh, yeah, the opening. Well, for one, I gotta bring up the fact that so. <laughs> Such a like uh, the ploy of like the guy coming out yeah. and like just automatically starts with this guy walking out in front of a curtain like hello ladies and gentlemen what are you about to see is a horrifying movie and we just had to give you a warning Carl yeah. Lindley Jr. we had to give you a warning that's Edward that- Von Sloan by the way that out of character the guy that plays Doctor oh the, the Doctor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but What's yeah, I, there's a reasoning for that which we'll get into later. But yeah, oh. I, I agree. It's, it's strange. Well, I mean, it's it, it makes sense of the of the, da- the time. It makes sense the time. Well, and also the reasoning why they did it. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it is strange. And then <laughs> and then we get credits. We get opening titles. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, just this this you know, gothic macabre of like starting in a cemetery and then the reveal and the way the makeup is on Colin Cl- Clive's face of just like the sh- like the um, the really just the dark like. Yeah eyes like it, you're you're looking in the darkness of his eyes and it's, it's funny the kind of transition the character has as the movie goes on with that um but you see this obsessive man who's they're grave diggers they're grave, well, they, they're grave robbers yeah but they're literally like watching somebody get buried they're, and they're like, just waiting to, yeah. to dig it up immediately fresh <laughs> it's like it's like he's just so excited oh it's it's yeah. brand, it's brand new right like it's this dead body that like, this is brand new body Nothing fresher than this is basically right. what he's kind of thinking. Um, and yeah, he's such a, the transition, the arc of that character where he goes so insane, he starts so insane. Yeah. So obsessed. And then has to be like, oh man, I screwed up here. Kind of right out of the middle of the movie. But yeah, the opening part, the Fritz stuff, just again, the set design and the the look of it all. Right well, even the, the way he frames things. Yeah. He does a lot of like low angles and stuff. He's mm-hmm. very, you know, he's he, not only German expressionist in regards to like the lighting and whatnot, but even like, again, his design and yeah. how he frames things. See, movies like this is where you're just like, you see certain movies from the 1930s and granted it's a little different because it a lot of times you're not watching them in high depth, but like, they're just they're not always well made is the thing. And you watch something like this and you're just like the use of close ups, the use yeah. of camera movement, the use of composition. Yeah, where there's all those cool tracking, like lateral yes, tracking shots. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like kind of go room to room. Room to room, yeah. yep. And then the other things where it's like the way the lines are where it's this kind of like Dutch angle type things yeah. with everything. And he um, also uses like low angles to make the monster look bigger. Yes. Um and so like just yeah, just the the, the the kind of incredible design of it all um, is is amazing. Um, what's well, I guess that's a, that's a big kind of broad thing with this movie. What's the scene for you? Oh, bringing the monster to life, of yeah. course. And I love. I know what it feels like to be God. Yeah. Um. I mean, like like you're talking about his insanity. I think yeah. it hits its peak there. Like he's on a full blown power trip. Like he's getting high he off this. It's alive! Um, yeah. It's alive! <laughs> it's alive! Um, but yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I mean, that's that's the sequence. And 
and what's interesting, this is like a 70, was it like 71 minutes or something like that? 71 minutes, yeah, 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 70 and, minutes, yeah. And it's probably like 30 minutes or so before that this happens. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's all leading up to like, you know, it's introducing us to the rest of the characters, yeah, the characters and there's this mystery about what's Frankenstein? Yeah, what's, 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 what's Henry and doing? And then they meet Dr. Wald, who again was one of his um, mentors. mentors, right, and he tells him. He tells him straight up, like, dude, oh, too he's crazy. Try, he's trying to create a life. <laughs> yeah, dude got too crazy. Got to send him away. Yeah. Like, we just didn't want him. And so it's all building to this moment. Yeah. And like, he invites him into the, the process. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, kinda, yeah. I kind of read down when they all go to like visit Frankenstein right. and like see what is he doing? Yeah, how off the rails he's the, he is. Yeah. The crazy man in the castle up on the hill type right. thing. And you find him and he's like, let me show you what I'm doing. Um, and yeah, just the kind of the experiment, the monster as, as it's, he's so it's, it's a child to him. It's his baby. It's, he's, he's going to risk it all. But yeah, just the, I mean, in terms of like some of the most, like there's, I don't, maybe not, I don't know, but in terms of like the most quoted, like kind of scenes that you just kind of know, like the kind of coming to like public consciousness in some way i feel like it's alive it's sure alive. it's kind of one of the big ones it's like, got to be on the, like, I mean, the top movie you don't course. use that in everyday life sure but, like, but if you hear it you immediately associate it yeah with it. it's kind of like it's like how sometimes another comparison is like psycho or like psycho is like you know what yeah the shower scene yeah just by doing this you don't even know where you don't even have to know where it's from but yeah. you just know that like that's in your mind of like that's what this is or what that's what a murder is. It's yeah. like that's what a crazy killer is. Yeah, and you, and I think it's alive is one of those things where like people know it and could say it for some reason as a joke, but like it's part of the public. It's lexicon yeah. lexicon consciousness in some way. Yeah, um, I think it's because Colin Clive is so good. Oh, he's so good in this movie. Yeah. and in that specific scene, and like you're talking about also that range because he's like. At this point, he's 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 the peak of his insanity. Peak of his insanity, and it, and he has to come back right. down for yeah. the back half of the movie, right? And he has to realize his oh no, I have screwed up. Yeah, I have played God, and at one point he's super excited about yeah. that, and like I played, I I know what like I said, I, I know what what God feels like, and then you realize oh no, it's the idea, and this is kind of the whole theme of the movie with this playing God and mm-hmm. and and basically saying like. Creating man in his own image without thinking about God's punishment is what the guys cast at the beginning. So that's what yeah. they're doing. Well, he's uh, like, yeah, again, humanity's arrogance, right? Yes. And I think this is a question that continues to be relevant as we yes. continue to make technological and medical advances, right? I agree. And I think it's something we should keep asking, not only like solely as individuals, yeah. but as a community. You know, community. again, the same thing. It's it's the it's the Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic right. Park. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Right. 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 Um, and I want to bring in because you haven't we, we talked too much about in the in the opening, but like Mary Shelley's original text. Oh, with sure, the, yeah, yeah. With like. How, and kind of how she made it where yeah. like she was this a 19 year old woman right basically who was dating this guy and do you know the whole story about this of how yeah, yeah. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. people don't know it's like basically they were she was at lord byron who was a writer she was at like his like estate or something or manor and they were on this vacation and basically they all had a dare like who could write a ghost story and she was, and hers was the only one that got turned into a book, right? Correct. Or, or, or yeah. Actually, or she actually wrote it. Yeah. She didn't know what to do for it, didn't know how yeah. to write it. And then she, they said that she talked about how they started getting on the conversation of the principle of life, and how um, it led to perhaps a corpse would be reanimated, and saying, "Marie, Marie uh, Mary noted, galvanism had given token of such things." 
Um, she said it was after midnight before they retired and unable to sleep. She began possessed by her imagination as she beheld the grim terrors of her waking dream. And she began writing about Frankenstein yeah. and Frankenstein's creature. Um, and then, yes, that went from a short story to a, uh, it turn, got turned to a book. And this, and she even did another iteration as well in like 1830. She wrote some chapters and, and, and oh, okay. I didn't it know that. in like 1831, I want to say 1830 something. I think it was 1830. I think, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, because that's, that's actually the, the one I read was the, the 1831. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, but yeah, she was, but initially the thing was, she, she was like, 19, 20 years old. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Well, the, the opening of Brighter Frankenstein, there's that whole scene where Percy Which is I like, find hysterical. How did, how did this come from this mind? Yeah. <laughs> and that guy is like like having so much fun with that. But world. I also just think like it's a woman who's like, God, men are so like yeah. obsessed with being yeah. powerful, all powerful. And I think to a certain extent, too, this was kind of in reaction to the Industrial Re- Revolution. Yes, at the, the period. The, the novel was. Yes. Um, but again, I want to br- yeah. bring all that into is the idea of and why, and you might, I don't want to jump too much on this because um, you might talk about it later, but kind of the context that she brings to it and the context that James Well to, brings to it is this idea of like otherness in some right. way. Yeah. Where her being a woman in a mostly male dominated world at this point in well, time. They, and she didn't even, they, they released the novel without an author, right? Or they yeah. didn't have a credited author. Right? Yeah. Because uncredited. Yeah. I assume so. Because of and then period. later, even on the credits of, of Frankenstein, it says Miss Percy Shelley. Yes. Written by Miss Percy. And I'm like, yeah, 1931. I mean, you know, I know, yeah. but but still, yeah, yeah. So, so it's this otherness from her perspective of men being this way, right? And then you now have James Whale adding this this kind of other layer of being openly gay man in Hollywood in the 1930s in America, and dealing with this otherness of the creature, and kind of the mm-hmm. misunderstood nature of the creature. Absolutely, I and I think he further pushes that in in Bride. Bride, very sure. much yeah. so. Very much he, so. Well, we'll talk about that later. He, d- he didn't even really want to do the sequel, but I think that's probably what he latched onto the most was like, oh, well, maybe I can further explore exactly. that idea. You know, and, he, and again, he, does, yeah. he, he with the with the God complex idea, he does it in the Visible Man. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, so more sense. I just want to kind of slide that in there. Sure, sure. If we need it, and I, I I know you you might talk about it later. Oh, I mean, we'll definitely talk about like um changes from the. The book, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't want to dive in that because yeah. I know there's a, there's one big change I know of, well, several yeah. big changes actually, um, but yeah, so I, I yeah I again so we have the, it's life, but the monster reveal too as well when the monster kind of like back is turned and turns around, Carl yeah, oh yeah, I love around. that, um, and it does those quick, quiet like quick cuts tighter on his mm-hmm, face, mm-hmm. it's like oh, it's, it's like the, um, again, it's like that makeup. Yeah. Um, they could have just done it for like wide shots or whatever, but that, yep. like he gets wide up on his eyes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's he, uh, yeah. Whale knows how to do great yeah. close-ups in this period. Um, and and the interesting thing too is like there's there's music at the beginning and the end, but there's no music. In, it. Yeah, and so like that scene nowadays mm-hmm. would do the would do the you know, but it's so quiet. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, or like a hokey version of that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Young Frankenstein, Poke Fun would probably do that, but like yeah. Uh, um, I mean that's the that's the bad that's the bad joke I feel like but it's, it's yeah. But, but yeah you could see like a Danny Elfman score sure. like creeping in yeah there. but um, no offense Danny Elfman love but you. but the yeah this playing so quiet it really I don't know it adds something to it and it, like the, it the adds face Carlos sense, it adds a sense of dread absolutely is the thing because it's even though it's still like he is unknown sure the, this creature is unknown to them and he is. A massive. Well, and figure. they're talking about it right before he comes up, and and he has that whole monologue to to Doctor Waldman, where he kind of explains. This is, I think, where he sounds the most sane in this insanity, right? Yeah. Where, he, where he's like, "Dangerous, poor old Waldman. Have you never wanted to do anything that was dangerous? Where should we be if no one uh, tried to find out what lies beyond? 
Have you never wanted to look beyond the clouds and the stars or to know what causes the tree to bud? And what changes the darkness into light? But if you talk like that, people call you crazy. Well, if I could discover just one of these things, what eternity is, for example, I wouldn't care if they did think I was crazy. And apparently that wasn't in the shooting script. Uh, oh. Allegedly, Whale wrote it. So, okay. Yeah. So add, add an extra writer to that. Well, allegedly. Well, I don't know. Allegedly. Uh, but yeah, Colin, I think Colin Clive's delivery there, and you could cut that in instead of my reading, uh, because his, his delivery there is, is amazing. And I think that states the whole theme. I might use yeah. both. <laughs> um, <laughs> Compared to his uh, his theatrical uh, yeah. uh, training, um, but yes, I, I also noted the the reveal of the monster. Uh, and and then and kind of how it, how it brings it in, it's like it's he's this innocent being when he comes in, and then when Fritz brings the fire, yeah. everything changes. Right, and the they're also whipping him, and you know, it's like yeah. all he sees is like violence. You know, his first violence, few days. Yeah. Yes. And, and and the idea, of, if he wants to like nature versus nurture, is that he's taught. And he's not, he does, the thing is, his character's not fully violent, but like right. he gets violent towards the end in a way. And, and the questions of how he him, sure. how Frankenstein. Well, had, I mean, yeah, yes, in regards to attacking Elizabeth, right? But yeah. I think attacking Walt. Walt uh, let me make sure I get the name. It's Waldman, I think. Mm-hmm. Attacking Waldman and attacking Fritz. I mean, that's in reaction to, to what they were doing. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, because he's on the table when he attacks yeah. Waldman, and he's yeah. and Fritz is attacking him. You know. Yeah. So he, I mean, yes, he hangs him. So it's it's cruel, but it's like, what is he supposed to do? He's trying to like. He's, Again, all he knows it, is his cat. He's is he's trapped. He's a and he's being yeah, attacked. and he's a sponge. Is right. What it is. It's like he's he's getting also again, and and, we'll, and and that's an interesting thing I think to 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 tag on is like they, they grab that abnormal brain right, but mm-hmm. it's like. Um, but it's like so. It is that idea of like, oh, he got a criminal's brain. So was that always going to be his? You know, yeah. Or, or is it literally there's just this reaction to what to what he, he's seen yeah, his first few days of life, right? And, and, but I think the key part moment is to, to jump a few scenes ahead. It's like it's with the little girl, yeah, where he's this kind of sweet and innocent character because he's he, he is the eyes of a child type thing. And her uh, and she's a child that kind of brings it out of him as well because this is the first time he's kind of seen this in his world, right? Um, and she's and this this is the thing about like so hard is it's a very tragic scene, but then I think of young Frankenstein's version of it and it's vastly <laughs> different. Um, so it's it, it it it's like trying not to have a laughter to it, but I'm trying to think in the moment in 1931 where what they're doing is basically they're, they're throwing the pedals into the, the right. water and they're floating. She's like, oh, they can float. Let me show you how to do a boat. And just, I'm going to show you how to float. And he's like, oh, that's kind of... I mean, he didn't say it that way. But, oh, God, cool. He's really excited by it. And he's just like, oh, if those can float, let me... We I ran out of flowers. I'll just throw you in and see if yeah. you can float. This is how his mind's working. And then she drowns is what it is. And he, and he like freaks out. And he, and he freaks yeah, out. Yeah. And he freaks out. And he's... And he had, and and and, the, and again, the editing of this movie is very interesting too for yeah. thirty one because they're intercutting it with the with the celebration, yeah, in the leading town. up to, in, the, yeah. in the town, leading up to the wedding of Frankenstein um, and Elizabeth and Elizabeth, um, but just kind of the the joy intercut with the tragedy is is very fascinating for this period. Yeah, and and even in the next you know little bit there when when he is carrying his daughter his through the, yeah. literally through the town, through the town, and that that's the shot I think that stuck with me the most as a mm-hmm. kid. But yeah, I mean, and it's like people are still celebrating, and they slowly start to like notice him. Yeah, and that's when it's like, oh, whoa! And then he brings it, brings it all the way to the burgomaster. Why that line kills me? He's like, he's like, oh, I'm so, you, you poor man. Why'd you bring her to me? 
<laughs> like he doesn't mean it like that, right? Because he, I think at that point he's just like, oh, she drowned, and then he yeah. says, oh, she was murdered. She know? was murdered, and then that, oh, that's when the town murdered. is like, oh, it's the monster because he's the been, monster. He's, he's out. been ravaging the hillside. Yeah, and oh. that's and that and then and I think from then on it's like it's just it's a nonstop man. It's nonstop yeah. where they're that that now they be, Henry believes that yeah. he's after him and. They're searching the house for him, and yeah. he shows up, and in, in, Eliz- in Elizabeth's Elizabeth, room. Um, but it, but that whole I think that whole scene is kind of foreshadowing for what Bride will be about, where he is. Mm-hmm. He wants a lover. He wants yeah, a companion, which was to in the original novel. That's what's interesting yes. to me is that they take the first two movies are kind of yeah. a split, yeah, splitting up the novel. Yeah. Yes, um, and in fact, it was it was funny because I read that the lake scene in the book, which isn't really this lake scene it's the lake scene in the in the bride of frankenstein mm-hmm. where the girl well i don't know if it's a lake i don't know what you'd call that pond maybe she yeah. jumps off the rock and it, so it's like it's funny it was like i was like oh they changed that for the movie and then i rewatched bride of frankenstein oh i forgot about that i completely forgot yeah, about yeah. so they literally take and then you know he sees the he uh the family because mm-hmm. in, in the novel that's how he learns to talk and yeah and, and read uh he, he he stays in that in that in that like shack or whatever i don't know what yeah. you call it like that's attached to the house and yeah. he witnesses the family um, in the movie, it's in Bride of Frankenstein, it's kind of truncated. But yeah, it's interesting that they kind of took those two far. And then, of course, the building the the bride, yeah, building a, a, a another a creature for, for him, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was also the ending of the original play that this is based on. Oh, that they yeah. just that part though. I think so. It, it ended with that instead of this whole chase. Obviously, chasing the town. And, so it yeah. en- so it ended the original play ended with them creating a bride. Oh, and then and then destroying her. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean that's what happens in Kenneth Branagh's or close yeah. to it. Yeah, it has that bit in there. I did too. watch that as well. I know, I know. I want to say, <laughs> I want to slip that in there too. And it makes some. So that was the thing. Is like everybody's always says about Kenneth Branagh is like, oh, it's the closest to the novel, but it makes some big changes too. Granted, structurally, I think it's obviously closer it's to the novel. It's because yeah. the frame narrative. Yeah, it's the absolutely. only one that really does a frame yeah. narrative. But I mean, he we'll makes some pretty later. big changes. Now, I think the best parts of that movie are De Niro's kind of as the monster kind of yes. his philosophical musings, which I'll yeah. talk about later. I think somewhat missing from this. I mean, it is missing from this. this yeah, this which, which you can probably feel like Carl off and was like, "Hey, yeah, I gotta speak." In right. This next one. Yeah, guys. yeah. Well, um, oh yeah. Sorry, we didn't even mention that. But that's also the, he also speaks in in Brad Frankenstein. Right, so right, that right, was he doesn't speak in this one. Right, right. He's he, also he, taken from the novel. Though. Um, because in the novel, yes, yeah. and again, you yeah, know, perhaps different later, yeah. but like it's he becomes an intelligent being. Right. As he goes on, he learns at a very yeah. fast pace. Is the thing, and he learns to read, and that, and having Frankenstein's journal kind of makes him realize, oh, the guy who created me is a bastard. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. I have to, and, and that's what's that's and that's kind of kind of ending to is that like these two are going to have to face in some way, right? And and that they will po- possibly have to be the downfall of yeah. one another. Well, I love that line in the book. He's, I'll see you on your wedding night. I love it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I forgot. That's what happened. Yeah, right. And so Frankenstein thinks he's coming for him, but he he. Uh, kills elizabeth it yeah. kills elizabeth in the, in yeah. the book yeah, in the book yeah, yeah. in the book in the movie in the movie it's like it flirts with it yeah and they're like no she's survived well, they hear her screaming and they kind of interrupt and yeah. interrupt it and he leaves and then it leads to, again this the great sequence of going up the hillside and them trying yeah. to find and him. there's two points where frankenstein comes face to face with a monster there's the one on the rocks yes. which is a great shot it's actually the banner photo on letterbox so you, so yeah. you can see uh, if you're a pro, or I think pros get banner. I don't know, but yes. if you're a patron for sure. Patron, and yeah. he, uh, yeah, so like Frank's not, like the monster is so big compared to Frank's side, but they're like looking at each other. And there's this moment of remorse, I think, where he kind of, when when they lock eyes for the first time there, mm-hmm. um, it, uh, in Frankenstein, there's this moment of, of remorse, like, oh shit, I created this mm-hmm. and like, I got to stop it, you know, it's up to me yeah. to stop it. Like, we have this whole mob up coming up the hill where they hear me yelling, yeah. but like, I got to be the one. To... And it's also kind of the idea is that 
he has to stop it, but it's this understanding if that makes sense like right. the mob mentality is just like we gotta punish this person yeah for killing the girl when when uh, when frankenstein might see it as a, a mercy sure killing in some ways yeah. that i well, brought created it yeah i brought something in this world that should not be here not saying that it should but it's because the world's not going to accept it right or at least that, that's why i'm putting into it is that like the world's not accepting it and maybe I should get rid of it because of it. Yeah. Cause they're going to make it even worse for, for him. Um, but you have that, they have the fight and Colin Clive just rolls over that fire. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, how did he not catch up? Cause he yeah. rolls over the fire. Right. Um, I was like, he had to get some sort of like burn yeah. there, but yeah, they had the fight and they go up the windmill and like, and there's that, that's great, a great showdown, the great showdown, in the windmill, but like in, in the, in kind of the, the whole of it, kind of the top of it, but there's that shot where it shows like Clive's face through, oh, through the spinning thing. Through yeah. the spinning thing, it yeah. shows Karloff's face yeah. through it, and then they try and they start fighting or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And then just kind of the and then they, he throws Clive off yeah. the the um the top of the windmill, and but just the the image of like and also Karloff is amazing. And he's screaming and yeah, yeah, it's amazing yeah. when the fire's happening. Yeah. Spoilers a little bit for well, he's also because he's he's scared of fire. Like it's yeah. established earlier with Fritz that he's frightened. And of now fire. he's being engulfed yeah. by it. Yeah, and, and there's that beautiful wide shot. I mean, uh, yes. it pulls back and it's like, oh, it cu- keeps and cutting. It has a back. wide shot and then yeah. it pulls back where yeah. I assume it probably models. Yeah, yeah, but it's like of that burning windmill and just all the mob it's, up there. It's amazing. Yeah. Like that that yeah. whole section, I, I remember vividly when I first saw yeah. it. And of course, like the fake dummy being thrown from the windmill sure. as well. Yeah. But that, but again, in the moment, I'm trying to think of in 31. That's probably so shocking, absolutely, to see. Because you've um, never really seen anything like that, you no, know? No, and not, yeah, that visceral, yeah. that kind yeah. of, like, up, up front and personal And we'll talk thing. about kind of the controversy that they, I could see, that came yeah, with the movie. It's, but, yeah. it's, it's so funny because people who watch this now and be like, oh, this is so boring or this, but like, in the moment, this was thrilling and terrifying is the thing, yeah. so. Um, but, yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that's all my favorite scenes. That's you that's things? all of mine as well. Cool, so, but I, I do agree. I think the imagery of, like, the burning windmill and I think the, mm-hmm. the lake scene and the aftermath, like, those are the images that, I, like, have stuck. Oh, and also just the 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 look of, of the monster. Yeah. Um, or the images that stuck in my mind, but I think they've stuck in probably public consciousness ever since, you know, especially the, the look of the monster that's kind of been used in so much other media, you know? I agree. Have you never wanted to do anything that was dangerous? Where should we be if nobody tried to find out what lies beyond? You never wanted to look beyond the clouds and the stars, or to know what causes the trees to bud, and what changes a darkness into light. But if you talk like that, people call you crazy. Well, if I could discover just one of these things, what eternity is, for example, I wouldn't care if they did think I was crazy. You're young, my friend. Your success has intoxicated you. Wake up and look facts in the face. Here we have a fiend whose brain, whose brain must be given time to develop. It's a perfectly good brain, Doctor. Well, you ought to know. It came from your own laboratory. Onset life. Uh... The shoot began on August 24th of 1931 and, and wrapped on October 3rd. Oh, so, wow. yeah, pretty short, you know, pretty re- relatively short. Which they, mo- they moved fast back yeah. then. Yeah. Oh, fast. I mean, yeah, just wait till you hear about the post. Uh, <laughs> initial budget was 262000 and they okay. had scheduled for 30 shooting days. Um, and they shot mostly in continuity, which I found kind of fascinating. Yeah. 
but I guess if you think about it, like most of most of it is like, oh, we're on this set and then we're moving to, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a few times where they go back, but uh, uh, the final cost of production actually ended up being though two hundred ninety one thousand, and it did go over schedule by five days. <laughs> uh, and and Whale, as with his theater work, you know, he's very much involved with every aspect of production. Mm-hmm. He would often sketch his ideas for sets, costumes, stuff like that. Um, I'm sure shots as well. Um, and then also like let, like many stars of the day, Colin Clive struggled with alcoholism. Yeah, but it didn't seem to affect his performance or his dedication. Um, in a 1985 interview, May Clark said, Colin Clive was the dearest, kindest, in the real meaning of the word, kind man who gave you importance. He was yeah. so wonderful, so clever. When he started acting in a scene, I wanted to just stop and watch. I'd think, here I am playing a scene with this marvelous actor. Mr. Whale would say, Colin's voice is like a pipe organ. I just pull out the stops, and, and he produces the music. Colin was electric. I was mesmerized by him so much so that, so much so that I hoped it didn't show. He was the handsomest man I ever saw, and also the saddest. Colin's mm-hmm. sadness was elusive. The sadness you see if you contemplate many of the master painters and sculptors' conceptions of the face of Christ. The ultimate source, in my view, of all sadness. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn, man, that's high praise. Mm-hmm. But like, you think about it, like I think, I, I mean, again, I don't want to like make assumptions here, but I think that sa- like that sadness that she's talking about, I mean, comes it definitely out. comes off on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in kind of the, the third act stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. It's kind of like that remorse, that, that realization of... Mm-hmm. Because it, before that point, I mean, yes, it, he killed Fritz and he killed Dr. Waldman, but it's like now he's literally in our house. Like he's literally yeah. here interrupting my wedding. You know, it's yeah. like now it's like become in front of him. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so I think, yeah, I think he, that's kind of his realization. Like, oh, shit, but now we got to like, we literally got to stop it right now. Yeah. Maybe it was like before that. It's like, oh, he's attacking the hillside. Like he didn't even really know where the monster was. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, no, now he's here. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I think that, yeah, his sadness that she that she discusses, comes uh, through. yeah, important yeah. important aspect of his character and performance, but um, and so yeah, every day though it would take four hours to apply the makeup, uh, and again the costume weighed forty eight pounds, uh, the shoes alone weighed thirteen pounds each, um, and mm. so yeah, that famous speaking of sad, that famous uh, lake scene that we were talking about uh, was shot at Malibu Lake. Um, and they were actually worried that Marilyn Harris would be scared of the monster, but she asked Karloff to ride with her to set, <laughs> and he said, of course. Um, and, uh, according to pretty much everybody, Karloff was a very gentle giant. Yeah. Uh, uh, as in regards to when he's in makeup and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. uh, Karloff felt it was uh, better if the monster didn't throw her into the lake, uh, but instead set her down gently on the water, mm-hmm. so Whale had to convince him that it was an important element of his arc. Yeah. And this all happened on set. This wasn't like a pre- this was like on set. Um, but Whale's quote was, it's all part of the ritual, mm-hmm. which I th- think is super fascinating. Um, but yeah, so he, he was he clearly had, I think he realized like that scene is vitally important to, to you know, everything that comes after it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and she actually didn't sink on the first take. Whale said he'd give her anything if she'd do the take again. And uh, according to the, the behind the scenes doc that I watched on the, on the DVD, uh, she, her mother was very like had her on a very strict diet, mm-hmm. so she asked for a dozen hard boiled eggs, and uh, and did the and did the the, se- the second take, and Whale instead gave her two dozen hard boiled eggs. <laughs> That's what you ask for. Yeah. I mean, she's seven years old, man. It's. I mean, does candy not exist in the thirties? I mean, I'm sure it did. But like, I mean, I guess her mom had her on a very strict diet. Like, like, hard man, now I'm just like obsessed. With, like, what was the what was the what was the history of candies like in, 19, in 1931? Because why would that child not be like strict diet and go? Can I get some hard boiled eggs? <laughs> like that's the go to. Well, her mom was apparently like very angry that there was like 24. <laughs> yeah. She's vegan. Yeah. Um, 
And also the, the, the scene where the monster attacks Elizabeth, uh, May Clark, yep. uh, was worried that she'd be actually frightened by Karloff. Um, so he told her he would wiggle his pinky finger out of sight of the camera to remind her that it's just her buddy Boris under all the makeup. Aww. Yeah, so I mean, it seems like the whole cast kind of, I mean, it seems like they got along and whatnot. Um, you know, it's, it was a relatively, you know, straightforward shoot, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, which leads us to the aftermath. Uh, the film had its first screenings at Santa Barbara's Granada Theater on October, or sorry, it's first screening, at Santa Barbara's Granada Theater on October 29th, 1931, and Karloff wasn't invited. When did it wrap? Yeah, again, October 5th. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and October 29th. Like I said, wow. short, short post-schedule. Yeah, they, they were cutting quick there. But Karloff wasn't invited to the premiere, and I don't know if that was that idea of, like, he's credited as it's a question the, mark. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's the Blair Witch thing. I don't know. Like, let's not break the... But apparently, by all accounts, the audience was scared shitless. Allegedly, mm-hmm. the theater manager was awakened by telephone calls throughout the night <laughs> of distressed patrons who couldn't sleep, and they felt that neither should he. Um, How dare you? <laughs> and so, but like we were talking about earlier with that, I'm um, oh, sorry, so the, both the prologue and the epilogue were added uh, after this test screening. Um, so they were, with the, with, <laughs> okay. the, with, the, with the prologue, they were worried that Frankenstein would be too much for some, um, also in anticipation for reactions from religious groups, uh, and actually an early version of that, of that monologue was written by John Huston. Really? Yeah, which I kind of want to see that, you know, at least on the page. He's just like, yeah. screw you all. <laughs> yeah, I could, I, if you don't like it, get the hell out. Right. Um, and then, of course, they added the epilogue, as I said. Um, and Call yes. of Clive was already out of the country when they shot that. Um, so they had to use a double. And that, I guess that's, I wonder why. That's they, why it's such a wide yeah, shot. Yeah. Okay. And he's in bed, you know? He's in bed. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's taking it easy. To the house of Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, it's such an abrupt <laughs> ending. I'll come to that later. Well, I also will. I, yeah, <laughs> I figure we both have the same note there. <laughs> yeah. But a wide release followed on November 21st. Uh-huh. New York Times would list it in their top 10 films of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made $12 million at the box office on its initial release. Is, and again, on a budget of $262,000. Wild. And again, in 1931. Yeah, during the Great Depression. When Yeah, when ticket prices were like a nickel. Like, yeah. it's like... Yeah. I'm sure it had like a pretty long run. But still, it's pretty crazy, man. I mean, yeah, it did. It, 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 it yeah. pro- well, the thing about it, too, you got to think... Another thing of context here is like movies back then. It's so wild thing how much it changed this, but like they would not open everywhere on the day, and and some some people are like of course not Brandon, you, I know the history of this, but yeah, a lot they would they would be in a city like you're saying, be in a city, and they would travel across yeah. the country from town to town, run there for a week or two weeks yeah. or whatever, and it would just keep moving. If it was in New York or L.A., that'd be it'd probably be there longer, but like. If it was gonna come to like Atlanta or go to Ch- maybe go to Chicago and out like just, it would be there for a certain amount of time and it'd just be a one screen theater and it would be there and so it's in some cases like it might not come to your town till a year after it's been released in New York because right. you live in Oregon or you live in Alaska like that's the whole thing. But of- also. Uh, on the well, not on the flip side, but like think about that. It's like they're reading about it in the New York Times or something, yeah. and they're like, "Wait, what is this movie that's well, shocking yeah, yeah. Yeah. audiences?" And then so when it by the time it comes to your but town, talk you're about like, just yeah. the, the amount of word of mouth that right. does yeah. is that people are talking about it for like this quote unquote oh, immoral. I, I was visiting New York City. Yeah. And they're playing this movie, and it, yeah, and and like describing the imagery and the imagery. You know. Yeah, it's it's like in, in reading the reviews and because like we said, like that that. That image of the monster, like I said, it's been in the public conscious like since we've been alive, but like yeah. even way longer, almost a hundred years now. And but like, think about having never seen that and hearing people describe yeah. it. Like, that's got to be insane. And let me ask you this, and because I don't know, but was there a was there a radio version of this at any point? 
Uh, they did not mention it in the behind the scenes, but I would be shocked that there wasn't. Okay, because like I know, because back in the day, like we've yeah. talked about this a lot. Is they it like, do a lot of radio plays. Yeah. They do a lot of radio plays where it's like I think like I feel like the Philadelphia story had like a radio play, and like I know we did Murder My Sweet had a radio play, and like I mean there were and a lot of times the cast the cast would yeah. come back and do it. But like I said, like that that I mean that first play was in like the early 1800s, like right after the novel. So it's yeah. like I, there had to have been at some stage, right? Because they did yeah. so many plays in between that. Um. Um. But yeah, so it's this massive hit, and yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, but but um, they would do all these gimmicks as well to like help boost that, right? Uh, they would okay. uh, have ambulances stationed in front of the theaters. They'd have nurses in the mm-hmm. lobbies, um, you know, kind of the uh, exorcist thing. Yeah. Um, but it had major censorship issues, uh, not only across the states but internationally. Uh-huh. Um, so that scene that we mentioned at the lake uh, that we've been mentioning, the second part of the scene where he throws her in was cut by state censorship boards in Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and New York. Um, they also objected to Henry's line. Now I know what it feels like to be God. Mm-hmm. Kansas allegedly required the edit, the cutting of 32 scenes, which would have literally cut the movie in half. Like it's again, 70 minutes, 71 Jesus. minutes would have literally cut the film in half. Um, and they would let her release an edited version, uh, which was some sort of compromise uh, after they sent a studio relations commi- committee censor representative uh, to, to like talk, mm-hmm. you know, to uh, come to some sort of compromise. Yeah. But, um, that's fascinating to me because again, it's like this is before the Hayes Coats. There wasn't really mm-hmm. a ratings. There wasn't yeah. a ratings board. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. So it's like there's there wasn't like um a un- like hearing the state by state. This was there wasn't a unanimous yeah idea of what was considered you know moral or immoral in, in film. Um, but it was also banned internationally in Northern Ireland, Qu- Quebec, Sweden, Italy, and Czechoslovakia. <laughs> um, the British Board of Film Censors was under intense pressure to create a new rating at this time, each yep. for horror. Um, when it opened at the or it opened at the uh, Tivoli Theater in London on January twenty fifth, nineteen thirty two, so mm-hmm. in the following year, um, in the ads there was a line that said, "In our opinion, this film is unsuitable for children." Uh, they eventually did add that H rating, but some films were still deemed too horrific, such mm-hmm. as Todd Browning's Freaks, which was banned <laughs> in the UK for thirty years. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought about Freaks a little bit with this because yeah. Freaks also has kind of the and and that footage is missing. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Of that, of that you attack. Read the, yeah, you read the yeah. footage of Freaks, you're like, they shot this, and movie? there's different endings depending on what like version you watch, even yeah, exactly. in the home releases. Yeah, yeah, which oh, is yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so with that, because yeah. that also yeah. has like a prologue and epilogue right. is the thing, and the kind they kind of use that as a way to like get around certain things, right? And that's why I, that's why I felt like when watching this that it did that as well. So you so you talked about this earlier with pre code films. Mm-hmm. Um, how some of them didn't get reissued, but Frankenstein did. Um, so they would make changes. So actually, so let me backtrack. They would make changes to the negative if they were reissued after the Hayes Code. Mm-hmm. So as in, they would cut things from the negative wow. if they were going to reissue it, right? And so um, well, after the Hayes Code was established in 1934. Yeah. So oftentimes that footage was lost. Yeah. Like we talked about with Freaks, that yeah. whole like final mm-hmm. attack, that like all that footage is gone forever. But luckily, the scene of the girl being thrown in the lake was discovered in the 80s in the British... Wow. National Film Archive, Archive of all places, and it was has been restored, obviously, on every home release since, and I'm sure Prince as well. Um, uh, the film was selected 60 years after its release in 1991 to be preserved in the National Film Registry here in the States, and of course, there were many uh, direct sequels under this Universal Monster series that mm-hmm. they, that they had at the time. Uh, there was Wales Bride to Frankenstein in 1935, which many consider to be superior. I don't know where you stand on that, but mm-hmm. I'm not among that crowd personally. Um, but like we like we mentioned earlier, it took elements that were not in the original movie yeah. uh, and the original plan uh, ending of the play uh, that, that this film is based on. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, why, why, do you do you like Bride more? I, I do. Okay. It, it edges it a little bit for me. I, I, don't, and I don't know why. I need to re- re- yeah. revisit it because I watched it during, I think when we were during our COVID 
uh, of twenty twenty. Oh. Well, no, oh. well, Thomas and I watched it because we did a we did a uh, oh sequels our sequel, sequel month, yeah. and that was one of the ones we kind of watched. Well, I mean, like I think most people would. I like Elsa Lancaster, who's in the movie um, yeah. as Bride, and yeah. I like I like Carl. Oh, she's also Mary Shelley in the opening. She is Mary yeah. Shelley in the yeah. opening, yeah. yes. And I I find that fascinating. Where like literally the the opening of Bride is just like them saying because you don't have reruns, you don't you can't watch it. Right. Where she's just like they're like. Oh, what happened? Oh, where where were we at last time we were talking? Oh, it was yeah. this happened, this happened, and this happened. Yeah. Oh, well, let me continue what happened afterwards. <laughs> but I love um because sequels didn't weren't really yeah. a thing then. I mean, I, there are elements that I really like about Bride. Like I, I do like the camp factor. Yeah. Um, and apparently I, I heard this in the because I watched the behind the scenes on on Bride of Frankenstein as well. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Whale went to go see it like later on, mm-hmm. uh, in theaters, and he was just like la- the only one laughing in the theater. Like nobody else was laughing. He got it. <laughs> yeah. He understood. Um, but uh, yeah, no, so I like the camp factor. Uh, the the, the actor Pretorius is a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think I think this one, I'm, and I I think I'm pretty positive I'd I'd seen Bride as a kid as well because I remember yeah. the ending. But um, I don't know. I I just think this one always stuck stuck more with me. Um, That's fair. Yeah, but I mean, I, I like them both. I mean, it's I like, like they're both great films. Yeah, yeah, they're both great films. I don't think you can go wrong. Yeah. Um, and then of course, uh, following that, Karloff would last don the makeup for the films. In the next sequel, uh, Son of Frankenstein in 1939, because mm-hmm. he felt the character was going to become like a bit, basically. He, 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 yeah. He, and it seems like it kind of did throughout the, the rest yeah. of the monster series. Um, but and, and unfortunately, Clive had died in 1937 due to complications of tuberculosis, Alcohol- yeah, which was uh, an extension of his, alcoholism. Yeah, alcoholism yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew uh, about that because he, he was one of those kind of like actors that died. Really young. Yeah, I mean, thirty-seven or yeah. 1937. I don't know how old he was. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll find out. I mean, he he was in his thirties, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah he uh, he was he was uh thirty-seven when he died. Yeah. So he, he was born nineteen hundred. Crazy. Um, and of course, whale. Or sorry, whale also didn't direct uh the son of Frankenstein. Um, it was directed instead by Roland V. Lee. The film starred Basil Rathbone as Frankenstein's son, Wolf yeah. Van Frankenstein, which I love that that character name <laughs> and Bela Lugosi would play the bearded hunchback Igor yeah yeah that was that was in yeah. Lugosi like because Lugosi had like a decline in his career right. post Dracula if you've seen Ed Wood you understand um <laughs> but him and Lugosi him and um him and uh Karloff did a movie together called the black cat at one point where it's like them going head to head which was yeah really good and there's like I think there's like one really terrifying moment towards the end uh, it's also very short, but I thought they were really good together. And so there are two that were always kind of tied to one another. But Karloff, because I was thinking, I think, and Ed Woodward talk, it kind of shows that, like, Lugosi didn't get Frankenstein. Karloff gets it, and his his career just, like, yeah. he's made for the rest of his career. And Lugosi's always kind of had to, has to struggle. Yeah. Um, but, it's, but it is interesting, like, throwing Lon Chaney Jr. in the mix too. They all kind of yeah. bounced around and played different roles in the in the series. Yeah, and different yeah. and different yeah. type of yeah. like monsters. Because because Karloff does come back later in the series, but not as as the monster. No. Yeah. And he also and again he yeah. plays the mummy and the yeah. mummy. Yeah. Um, I also like old old, old Karloff and Targets. <laughs> I haven't seen Targets. Oh, you haven't seen Targets. I know. I know. That's yeah, I, I, like targets. I know. I know. Targets is good. Um, he plays an old, uh, old old movie star. It's 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 just a wild. Well, wasn't like, that because he because like didn't Corman have like footage of, of that or something? Corman, it, it Corman, was like another movie that they Corman shot a movie that they didn't know how didn't know what to do with them. And Nicholson's yeah. also in the movie. Jack Nicholson's also in that movie. And He's in a lot of the, like that that era. That Corman era. Stuff. Yeah. And basically, he they couldn't figure out how to fix it. And essentially, he gave Bogdanovich, Peter Bogdanovich, said, "Hey, make a movie out of this. Uh, you can get Karloff for like." two days or three days and so Bogdanovich and there was like this period piece like 
castle movie or whatever, like horror. I can't remember what the movie's <laughs> called, like horror type film. Well, does, so doesn't the shooter like go see it or, or something? Or yeah. so yeah, that's kind of the end. The ending is it's at the premiere oh. of, of it. Um, <laughs> and so basically, what it whole what the whole thing is is it starts off with them with like them watching the movie, and then Karlov, they're just kind of like this kind of sucks. <laughs> Um, and Karloff is a aging, aging actor, um, who leaves. And so he's contemplating his career. The whole movie is him contemplating his career. And then it's intercut with this kind of like lone gunman yeah. who's going around. Which is based on that, that, uh, Texas, yeah. I think the Texas shooter, like from the water tower or whatever, mm-hmm. he's going around Los Angeles and just and shooting and killing people just like, because, and they, and they give him Bogdanovich gives him more backstory, him and Polly Plag and more backstory. But like it's it's building towards at the premiere of Karloff's new movie, and Karloff's gonna be, and it's just it's wild. <laughs> like it's it, it loses steam for a point, but it's just for the the creativeness to be like let's let's just okay let's create a whole other plot line of a movie. But we got Karloff because he's the big star, right? We gotta put him in here somewhere, and so but we gotta build this other story so we can shoot around not having Karloff. So that's wild. So he so but saying Karloff has a career for years to come. Basically, he was both yeah. like, he was in the um. Not long after this, he does Arsenal Lace the play is what it is because there's a whole bit in the play like he looked like Boris Karloff, and the whole idea is that it was Boris Karloff right. playing it, and then they did the movie for it. They couldn't get Karloff. Because Karloff was still doing the play on Broadway. Oh, wow. And if they took him off the play on Broadway, they feared they were going to lose ticket sales because he was such a big star at that period of time. And they don't release the movie till like after the play closed on Broadway, so they didn't lose ticket sales as well. So it's like Karloff's not even in the movie because he had to be on the show or they would tank the show. And he wasn't in the movie. And they held the movie so it wouldn't tank the show as well. So it was just, it's kind of fascinating. Oh, yeah. Kind of the career he had with that. But yeah. Um, but Son of Frankenstein does have a really interesting setup. Um, in that that being his son, yeah. he's living in his father's shadow. But not only that, not only is he living in his father's shadow, but he's living in his father's shadow of like a man who's been vilified by the community because yeah. of, because of what he's done. Yeah. Um, like again, in Bride of Frankenstein, he creates another <laughs> creature. So it's like yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway. which that's, that's interesting because yeah. the idea of like the your family legacy and yeah. having to get rid of it. It's it's Nicholas Cage and National Treasure movies. It's what it is. It's like um. <laughs> you've become so made fun of and like said, vilified that you have to find a way to, yeah. which I, again, so I haven't seen son of Frankenstein, but um, yeah, it has a, like I said, a really cool setup and it's cool to see Lugosi uh, as this hunchbacked Igor, uh-huh. by the way, it's spelled Y G O R not I G O R as it is Igor. later. Yeah. But, um, and then that was followed by ghost of Frankenstein, which I love that title. Yeah. Uh, the next sequel, ha- which had Lon Chaney jr. As the monster, which I, as I mentioned, it's interesting how these actors like, Bounced around different roles. Yeah. Um, Lugosi returned as as Igor, and apparently, um, I haven't seen it, but apparently from the trailer, he puts his brain into the monster. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I, I do want to see that one for solely for that setup. Uh, and then there was Frankenstein meets the Wolfman in 1943, yeah. which has uh, Bella Lugosi now as Frankenstein's monster and Lon Chaney Jr. instead as the Wolfman. Um, so, so as you can see. Lugosi in, did end up later playing Frankenstein's monster, even though he didn't want to in the in the, the original. Yeah. Okay. And then the next was House of Frankenstein. Karloff returned, but this time to play the Mad Doctor. Uh, the monster was played mm-hmm. by Glenn Strange, and Chaney Jr. was also in it as the Wolfman. John Carrad- Carradine played um, Dracula, mm-hmm. uh, and that was followed by a sequel, House of Dracula, in 1945. Yeah. 
Uh, and of course, there was the Hammer films in England, which t- did all sorts of updates of these classic yeah, the monsters. Curse of, Curse of Frankenstein. Yeah, nineteen fifty-seven. Peter Cushing. Yeah, um, he's Peter Cushing. He doesn't play. He plays. He plays Doctor Frankenstein. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then there was a bunch of other adaptations of the original novel, including, uh, or there's been a bunch of other adaptations of the original, including Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, yep. which stars De Niro as the monster, as we mentioned, and Branagh himself as Frankenstein. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of mo- it's a movie, it's a lot of movie, it's a movie. <laughs> yes. My thing with Branagh is, I, I feel like he 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 discovers some new. I don't even know. I know I can say new. He discovers a, a, tech, a camera technique, and he's just like, I'm going to use that on the next movie, but a lot. Because the camera <laughs> is just constantly spinning in that movie, dude. Oh, yeah, man. Wait. Yeah. Is that is that, is that post-Hamlet? I don't know. He does that a lot in Hamlet. Oh, does he? He's oh, like, then maybe that was first. I don't or know. Where he's like, he's like circling. Yeah. He's, just he's doing all, like long takes. Yeah. He's circling, which I, which I think worked for Hamlet. Oh. Um, probably with those monologues, right? Yeah, yeah and because you got to keep, and, but it's also he has a lot more, he had a lot, a lot of movement with people coming in and out right. of scenes and things like that. Um, um it's funny because I, I read Darabont's draft, uh-huh. um, and I also like read this or saw this quote from Darabont, and he's essentially like, yeah, I don't know why he did that. Like the original novel subtle, my script was subtle, and he just made it like this big bombastic movie. <laughs> um, it's yeah. like I said, it's a lot of movie. Everybody's pretty much constantly yelling. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw. Why are they yelling? One of my buddies on Letterboxd said, this movie is cocaine. I kind of <laughs> that was that weird period. Cause I, was, I think it was, was it Patrick Willems? He did a, he did a, he did a video essay on like when like Hollywood was obsessed with like turning those monster movies into yeah. like prestige dramas. So it was that one. It was, um, of course, uh, Coppola's Dracula. Yeah, it was Mike Nichols' Wolf with Jack Nicholson. That's it. I forgot about. I and didn't then, think about that. And then I think it was Mary Riley, which was which was uh, Julia Roberts, but she's like the assistant to uh, Doctor Jekyll. Oh, I haven't. Is what it was. I heard of that. I think that's what it was. Interesting. Let me, let me make sure. But like, it was like all it was like these big budget studio movies turning into like yeah. yeah well it's like i mean like look at that like that's interesting like every few decades it kind of come these stories she's come the back. maid she's the maid yeah but every few decades these stories kind of come back right these classic classic yeah. stories you know and then of course there was also the ill-fated dark universe where javier bardem was cast to play the character supposed to play but he never got the chance because of the failure of the he, mummy he played him in that picture in 2017 yeah, yeah i mean well, no, they, they didn't even do makeup yeah they didn't, make they didn't do anything for johnny depp either as the no. man and um so they decided not to to move forward after the 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 uh, financial failure of oh, the mummy, um, the mummy, and yeah, yeah. remake in twenty seventeen, which I still haven't seen. Um, uh, yeah, I know, I know. I, I'll, I'll get around to it just out of well, blind you, curiosity. Com- completionist for cruise. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd this is it. coming again, coming from the guy that was there like first screening matinee on Friday, raring to go. I was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, like it was the summer, so I was back home. Oh, for the Mummy, I thought you were going to see another movie. <laughs> no, it's for the Mummy. It was for twenty seventeen, the Mummy. <laughs> I was, I was like, Cruz is getting my money day one. Yeah. Is, is what was my mind. Uh, just just one more thing. Uh, Del Toro is currently working on a yep. new adaptation for Netflix, yep. uh, which is something he's been trying to get off the ground, man, for a while. Who yeah. knows? And and because of his passion for the original novel i'm curious if yes. he's going to infuse some of these things that i want to talk about in a, a little bit with what didn't work mm-hmm. um but anyways uh, oscar isaac is playing frankenstein andrew garfield as the monster and yeah. mia goth as elizabeth so i'm all in on that cast man let's do it and again it's like let 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 del toro cook man anything del toro was touched let him cook let him cook let him cook uh but anyways brandon that gets us to what worked what worked for you man i mean i mean whale's direction here is is really incredible with the because again like the set design like the whole atmosphere that he creates with the set design the cinematography 
the makeup of it all like again the the introductions of all these characters of how he how he stages them with with the uh, with Frankenstein and with with the Fritz and then and the cemetery and then just like again like the way he does the whole cemetery then digging up the grave and then the gate and then cutting off that cutting down the hang the guy who's the the hangman basically um the hanging man and and then the way he introduces the monster and, and bit by bit where like his again the hand moves and it's like it's alive it's alive but yeah, the way he just kind of introduces everything and sets the world is great. Um, he makes some interesting editing choices for the time as well. I think You're talking about the cutting back and forth between the little girl and the party or and the, and the joyous party or whatever. Um, and the way again, how he back, backs out of the big wind, windmill scene. Um, but yeah, I think just atmosphere wise, it, it's amazing mm-hmm. with again, the macabre of it all. Um, I think Colin Clive and Karloff are, are fantastic in these two roles. Clive just had they both have these just like worn faces is yeah. the thing that like feel of this world yeah is the thing and I think they're both again I, I said I pick out the shot of when the wind when and the windmill and the, yeah. the things going around it's just they have these great faces that just really pop yeah. off screen for a movie like this like this and it's true it's like uh to go off that it's like mm-hmm. they, they make great use of like it's not, like the stuff on the set is not just there to to fill in the frame right like they yeah. still u- they utilize things with the, or, yeah. or whale you know utilize things within the frame so it's like it, you can clearly tell this is all by his design right? yeah no, which I is agree. great and i i really love the lighting in this movie i mean and i agree we mentioned earlier the I contrast agree. but the chiaroscuro and rembrandt lighting yeah. i mean it's very much influenced by german expressionism but it to to take that and put it in this kind of uh, you know, in a monster movie, yeah. it, it, it influenced everything since. You know, mm-hmm. no, um, I agree. So yeah, I love that. And also, as we've been talking about, I love the conceit of this movie. Mm-hmm. This question of, you know, what what happens when you play God? Yeah. You, you know, how far is are we too? You know, how far is it too far? Is too far essentially? Yeah. It, we don't usually shout this out. We have the themes of it all, like yeah. the thematic ideas. But no, but, that's I, going but like I said, as a really kid, work. like I very much latched onto these the ideas yeah. present in the movie. And it's a it's a big idea that's portrayed in a very simplistic fashion. Right. is the thing. Right, and you wouldn't necessarily expect that. From a monster movie, right? I agree. I agree. Um, but did anything not work for you, man? Um, yeah, I, I hate the abrupt ending. I agree. I well, hate wait, the abrupt. By that, do you mean the epilogue or the, the epilogue? Okay, the epilogue. Not because I think if it ended on that windmill shot, like that's like oh, that's, that's, that's t- one that's, of the best endings if, in horror. If that's you, up there with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's up there with Halloween. I agree. If, if, uh, if or if, or nightmare. I mean, uh, not nightmare. Um, Night of the Living Dead. Night like living, the, yeah. the, like it feels very in line with those kind of endings. I mean, because what you do is like it's you have that wide shot, and you ha- you'd have the music fade in, yeah. and then and just the, the end, end comes a up, universal and you're picture. like, yeah. "Oh God!" Yeah. But instead, we have just this awkward like, mm-hmm. "Oh, we're back at the house, and he's alive, and the dad's yeah. excited." House Cheers. of Frankenstein. Cheers to House of Frankenstein. Oh, we're out of the movie. Cool. Yeah. I also it love just, that it, just, the, it hurts it. I love that his dad's always like, G- "Give the give the help some some champagne." <laughs> It's so messed up, dude. He's like, they're gonna waste it. Give him some. Give him yeah. some. Anyways, I, I, but I agree, hundred yeah. percent. And I, not only that, I, I think it, I think narratively and thematically, I think Frankenstein should pay for a sense. And I think that's I way agree. more in line with the original novel. I agree. Um, so I don't like that they, even if they had left it up to interpretation, yeah. right? Which again, like they didn't really have sequels in mind back then. This wasn't like that wasn't like a th- as, as much of a thing as it is now, yeah. right? But um, yeah, I, I just think I think it, it hinders the like the. I, I can look past it because I love this movie, yeah. but I think it does hinder some of the thematic and narrative ideas that have been building the entire film. I agree completely. Um, but yeah, I, I still, like I said, because I can, I can deal with the prologue. Right. Honestly, I, I the prologue doesn't bother me. It's other time. Yeah. This just feels like. I mean, that's what you're sending us home with, right? As as modern viewers. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's tacked. Yeah. It's just tacked yeah. on. And again, the, you know, as we mentioned, that they were both tacked on because of these 
this, this test screen. The controversy. Yeah. yeah. Or, or preparing for potential controversies. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I get why, but, um, and I, we're looking at it through modern audience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, and also do wish there was, there was, and this is a hard idea to think about cinematically, but there was a way to infuse kind of the the monster's philosophical and existential crisis from the book, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's something that I, I see a lot because I I think about Moore's run of Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. uh, because he, he's very much in in, in Moore's graphic no, in Alan his Moore. Comics, Alan yeah. Moore. Yeah. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. In Alan Moore's run of Swamp Thing, scared by context, you know. Yeah. yeah in Alan Moore's uh, run of Swamp Thing, um, he he's very existential as well, and he. He's trying to find his place mm-hmm. in the world, but even like it, cosmically, um, yeah, uh, in the swamp, but in outside of that. So it's like, how do you make that cinematic? I don't know. But both all of the adaptations of Swamp Thing have completely like ignored that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that if Wes Craven's might have came out before Morse Run. I'm not positive. But anyways, I, that philosophical idea of this, it, it's an interesting concept to me. I don't know how you yeah. how you make it cinematic, but yeah. Um, I wish there was a way. Uh, and maybe Del Toro will, yeah. because of his love for the original novel. We will find out. Yeah. All right, some film facts. Okay. Karloff did end up wearing the makeup again on an episode of the show Route 66, which I have no idea what that is, but I'm fascinated to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the mob members, the wounded man they surround near the end on the cliffs, was Universal writer, director, and leading player, as well as John Ford's older brother, oh, Francis wow. Ford. Yep. Francis I think he has a couple lines. Ford. Uh, young Frankenstein and a ton of other movies used original pop props from this movie. Uh, the, the the set, mm-hmm. the, the his his lab set, essentially um, stuff from there. And according to IMDb, now I, I this might be complete and other bullshit because it's on IMDb facts, yeah. but this was Johnny Cash's favorite movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not gonna doubt it. Yeah. I I also read that like, in terms of like. Singers of that era loving horror films. I I feel like I heard that Elvis Presley loved Black Christmas. Oh wow! So who knows? Yeah. So someone's someone somewhere said that in some article and it stuck. Yeah. And I don't, and, I, and you, it's, it's like talking about Elvis Presley or Elvis Cash? or Johnny yeah, Cash. It's yeah. it's like or they said it. Well, it could be like Johnny Cash is like it could have been like oh it's one of the movies that like influenced or like hit you hard as a kid right and then you just said Frankenstein like Frankenstein. probably scared the yeah. shit you know and then yeah. Born I Am Sick? No. Um, and then that turned into, oh, that's his favorite movie, right? His favorite movie. But yeah, anyways, exactly. yeah. yeah. Interesting fact, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we will get to the awards. The Beatrice Strait Award. Actor, actress with limited scenes. That kills it. Who we have? Um, Well, she doesn't kill it, but she does die. Is it the, is it the young, young yep, girl? that's who I was going to That's nominate. who I have, yeah. But again, like we talked about, it's like uh, that lead up to it. Because uh, it doesn't feel like, um, like there's this kid in Son of Frankenstein. It's So it would be... Frankenstein's grandson, mm-hmm. and that feels like a very child performance. Yeah, um, in the sense of like you can see him kind of fumbling lines and whatnot. Yeah, here she she kills it, man. She's like, yeah. very, she, she seems very professional. It seems like from that behind the scenes talk, she was very professional on mm-hmm. set as well. Marilyn Harris is her name. Yeah, Marilyn Harris. Yeah, uh, plays Maria. Um, lot but of, she steals lo- that scene. Yeah, and she and it's I'm looking at her kind of credits, and she was basically uncredited in almost all of her work except this one. Um. She was also in James. She was she was in, oh, is she the girl in Bride of Frankenstein as well. She's listed as girl. Is that like ar- archive footage or? I don't, oh. I don't I don't know I don't, maybe, um, but you probably list her as, as as a name, um, but yeah, she was in Showboat, which is also James Whale, um, who's also she had several James Whale pictures, pictures. Oh, she was in Destry Rides again, the original Destry Rides again. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I, I I really liked Marilyn Harris in this. It's again, again, she brings out this innocence to the monster. Yeah. is the thing. The but creature. it doesn't feel. I don't necessarily mean this derogatorily, but like it doesn't feel Disney Channel-y. Does that I make agree. Sense? Yeah, it feels somewhat mature. Yes, it's, she's as in regards to her performance, not her performance, not the. She's not scared yeah. of him. She yeah. she, but she's not forced. It again, yeah. like I said, it feels like it feels natural. Yeah. It feels, she's like a young kid who's who's playing with a friend. Is what it mm-hmm. is. Who's wanting to show her the new friend the new thing that she can do or whatever to impress them? Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think she's great. Yep. So are we in agreement for that. All right. Yep. We got Annie Potts X Factor Award supporting actor actress that is the most memorable. And I think we got to throw Karloff out, right? Damn it. I, I, because he's in too many scenes. Because it does sort of become a two hander at, at one point. Yeah. He doesn't talk. Um, yeah. Oh, if he if that's a, if that no, is a loophole, it's, it's I'm all in on the loophole. <laughs> I didn't know that was a loophole. Because mm. I didn't have anybody else. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I think we can put Karloff here. Okay, cool. Let's do it. I, I think. I think he's. I mean, you're the you're the man. Uh, so. I make the rules. No. Yeah. I mean, it's it's his, it, he's he's fourth build. He doesn't come in until. 20, 25 minutes into yeah, the movie same. of a 70 minute yeah. film. But even then, it's like. And he's not in it the entire right, time. Yeah. It's just cutting back. I would go with Karloff. Right. I think if we we're, if were talking Bride, I think he would be. Too, too much. Yeah. He'd be too much. Definitely. But I think here, yeah, That's definitely more of a two hander. Uh, yeah, I agree. In fact, it, I think that leans more on the monster I agree, than it does. Like, I, I agree completely. Because yeah. Karloff, Karloff's become a big star. Right. There's a reason why it's billed yeah. as like. The monster as or Karloff as the monster, and then the bride was the question mark. The question mark, did. yeah. So I, I think here you, I think we can get away with Bar- Boris Karloff right. as being, as oh, being. I'm not gonna argue with you, man. As being the the Annie Potts X Factor I'll Award. Stay, I'll take it. All right, okay. we got Gene Hackman MVP, person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc. So this is a tough one. Um, I mean, I think as we always do, we got to go with Whale because this is his vision. I agree. Clive is is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but and the movie doesn't. The movie would not work without that performance. Like I agree. I don't know. I you know I don't know if there had been another actor at the day that could have done that. But like I'm the fact that Whale had worked with him before, he knew he could bring that out of him. And, yeah. and also yeah. put in perspective with Clive and go with Whale is that this was Clive's second movie, right? Which is wild. Um, but I think it was that he was he in. Was he in Waterloo Bridge? Let's see. Oh, he was in. Um, no, he was Journey's in. in. Journey's yeah, yeah. in. Which, which was. Which was he was also on the stage with him. So, yeah. So they had worked together quite a bit. You know? Yeah. So that's the, so he he knew how. To, so he takes a risk on him. Clive is yeah. great, but I, I think I think well just because the. Yeah. You can have a great performance in this movie, and if the the design of it wasn't as right, it would be. I mean, so that's the thing about like maybe Dracula. Dracula, I don't think has. While I think still great from my recollection, doesn't have as much as striking of a set and like set designs that I think cinematography I'm it does. Agree, I'm in agreement. But set design wise, the way it does yeah. that and the and kind of the atmosphere of it all is a little bit stronger here. If I remember correctly, I think the pacing's a little bit stronger here as, as well. If I'm not well. mistaken, yeah, because uh, I haven't seen Dracula since like high school, college. Um, but. Yeah, I, I think I think the direction. While Todd Browning is great, and those, I think the direction here is stronger overall. So I would go with James Well because of that for Gene cool. Hackman. Cool. 
questions recast it and i'm gonna be uh well is this, a, is this modern let's do modern day and we can't use obviously del toro yeah give me a second because i didn't we, yeah. we, i figured this well, out i didn't either <laughs> I, I have one thing I, I have a pitch for the monster is and this is this wh- when does this take place uh as in the setting yeah like, oh, is, in, is in this period of the movie oh or is it like Wait. a modern day retelling interesting well i feel like del toro is gonna do uh like a class, you know, like I think a classical yeah. one. Yeah. So let's do it in like a like modern day. It's gonna be like Aaron Eckhart. Like you're not. Well, let's not do that. <laughs> that one. Or like a sci-fi version. Um, um, but like, like it, it could be modern day. Okay, give me a second. Um, but for the monster, I'm gonna pitch Dave Bautista. Because I'll go with Dave Bautista right, for cool, the monster. Because I, I I really liked his performance in. Uh, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Well, yes, of course, but in the ca- cabin in what's it called? Cabin in the oh, um, uh, you try the cabin in the woods. No, 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 cabin. I, in I know, the, I know. It's, it's, it's Shyamalan's movie. Joint. A knock on the cabin. Yeah, knock at the cabin. Um, I really liked his performance in because I really liked Batista's performance in Knock at the Cabin. Well, Batista can play a very subtle. He can do a very yeah. subtle performance and a very big performance if he wants to. But this is a very again. I, yeah. I think in Blade Runner twenty forty nine is that he's a subtle giant. Yeah. Is kind of the thing is that he's a large imposing force, but he can be very soft and quiet and how he yeah. does stuff but he can be big so i think he can get the kind of like innocence of the child sure. type thing we're talking about i think batista could do that and um, he also has the stature to has a statue for it that's why i think it'd be fascinating when i see garfield and, and them do it yeah that's that's interesting to me but again it's like he's going back to her original novel and she doesn't really go into as much detail, detail. about that yeah um we like what we know imagery wise is mostly from this film which yeah. is fascinating like, funny yeah. enough i would yeah. i would i would possibly switch garfield and isaac yeah. If if like, but it's kind of. I'm not saying it's against type, but yeah, I, yeah. I think Isaac could play a monster like the, the monster very well. I think Garfield could do that. But it's almost like, let's do two versions. Let's have them switch and see what happens. That could be fascinating. Since um, it's on Netflix, that could be fascinating. Yeah. Do, do, Just do, shoot do, it. Do, yeah. Do the <laughs> cut A, cut B. Yeah. It's like or it's you could like, choose who. You, yeah. It's like the yeah. the Sam Shepard play where they, it was true. Yeah. It's true West where they they would. The actors would like switch switch characters some nights because they're just two people, well, and they would just uh, go back and forth. Is it, is it Spanish Dracula? Yes. Yeah, so Spanish Dracula. Yeah, I've heard that's actually really interesting because it was I all shot on the same sets, right? But they shot yes. it was like they shot the American one during the day or something, and shot that one at night or something yeah. like that. Um, back then, it was wild. Like yeah. I always think about how like I think King Kong and the Most Dangerous Game were shot at the same time. Oh, so really? They would shoot Most Dangerous Game thing at night or on the weekends, and King Kong during the week during the day. Wow, it was something like that. It was two movies like that. Um, no, but anyway, so yeah, Batista's good for, for the monster. So then who would be his Frankenstein, his who creator? Who would be his Frankenstein? Frankenstein. Um. Oh, Sasha Baron Cohen again? <laughs> you know, no, um. What, what did you pitch him for? Was it, was it, uh, Blowout? Was that, was it? Was it for John Lithgow's character Maybe. Blowout? I don't it would make it sense. A, I would. Yeah. I still stand by okay, that if I did okay. do that. Yeah. Um, the question is: Will this character? Will, will this actor be too crazy? Is it Nick Cage? No, oh, okay. no. And and is granted, no, 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 no. He and here's he can be he can be he can be self. So I know I I think I'm gonna go with I think I'm gonna go with Michael Shannon. Oh, that's, I, love, that's, I love that. That's, that's who I'm going. I love that. Going big brother. With, I wish uh, Del Toro. 
because I think he can bring it down. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking of take shelter when he's yelling and the, yeah. the community area. But that was kind of, you know, that's the character. But it builds yeah, up. It yeah, builds yeah, up to yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. he's subtle throughout the whole thing. But yeah, I think oh, he, dude, I'm all in on I that think one. he would be really good. Yeah, that's it. That's a, I love that. Um, for Doctor Frankenstein, Michael Shannon. Um, for so then who would be his Elizabeth, his fiance? Yes, that was a thing. Um, you know, it's that we're doing older is the thing, and not, yeah, not say that not, right. not saying old. They're not old. But I'm just saying right. older than what they're doing here. Yeah, is exactly. Um. You know, he was in a movie with an actress that didn't get a lot of play uh, called Complete Unknown, and that was with Rachel Weiss. Oh, okay. With, Rachel Weiss was in The Mummy. Um, yeah. I think I think she could be a, a good Elizabeth. I could see that. Uh, to, to him. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, it's like maybe they're both, if it's, if it's modern day, like, maybe they're both divorced, you know? Oh, see that? Now, that's an interesting. <laughs> but that's an interesting angle, right? It's like, what is it? What They're is he up to? Divorced. And she just like hears about what? If, oh, she's married to to his, you know, Victor now. <laughs> oh yeah, you do that. Yeah, yeah. Is is that what? If, what if he's been doing this for so long that right. like it's she? It's his now ex wife. Yeah, is the thing, and yeah. he's ma- and she's married to his old best friend. Yeah, and who he, always had the hots for her. And now finally, he's his creations yeah. come to fruition. Is the thing. Uh. If it's modern day, it could right. be. It could be other. It could be. It could be. It could be. I mean, hell, it could be 1950s if you want to do yeah. that. Like, it could be any kind of decade. This is this is kind of the stories I think you could put at any time, right? Right. And have the time affect it in some way. The period yeah. affect it in some I, way. I agree. So yeah, does this film? You think this film fits in any other genres? Um, I mean, it clearly established like science fiction tropes. Science fiction. Yeah. That's that's the, the imagery that's, of the lab. So, that's so fascinating. That, yeah. Again, that's also Shelley's novel where sure, she, sure, sure. she establishes horror and sci-fi yeah. and and this. While there was sci-fi and horror before this movie, yeah. it, I think it kind of almost like dumbs it down, but it brings it to a more digestible. Yeah, uh, I mean, this, they're not in spaceships shooting each other, right? It's yeah, like, it's like, and it's not Metropolis, right, is right. The thing. but this is a, a science fiction concept in the sense of like he's creating yes. life, right? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So you can say sci-fi, yeah. um, and I think it definitely established like the mad scientist tropes. Mad scientist or, tropes. Or, like, I agree. Further established mad scientist. I think. I think you kind of. Not mad science, but Mad Love does that yeah. a little bit later. Conclave is also in with Pierre Laurie. Um but uh yeah, sci- I think sci fi is, is is the is the big one. Um I will say gothic horror, even we're we're saying we're talking about monsters, but I think as as a subgenre of the of horror, it's a mm-hmm. gothic horror as and well. And you also have that romance kinda at the center right with them and yeah. 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 I, mean, I think yeah, I think we should make not saying should have killed her off, but yeah. you should commit to the, have more of a tragedy. I guess that's why yeah. I think having the ending of not doing the epilogue it was it's right. a better ending for the movie. I agree, and also in the novel everybody dies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Spoiler, Spoiler if you haven't read the novel but from two years the big, ago. The big change is like the frame narrative. Yeah, and that's the big thing. And because the book, I was like, why? I was so confused. Well, it at like first. starts with the letters. Starts with the letters where the, he's he's writing. He's basically searching yeah. for the monster in like Antarctica or well, something. So, the, so the, it's actually Arctic. The, the guy on the ship. It's his That's letters what first, it is. and then Frankenstein yes. ends up on the ship, and he tells him his story, and then the mon- and then he tells him the monster when the monster told him his story, and then the monster tells it's like a frame within a yeah, frame, and yeah. then the monster tells Frankenstein about the family's whole history. Yeah, so it like becomes at one point in the middle, it becomes a story within a story within a story within a story. But I uh, I do find it 
I do find that structure fascinating. And I think Branda, Branda tried, but it was, yeah. it was it's hard to, that's another thing you can't really make cinematic, right? And she was 20 years old when she, that's insane. I know, right? And, and like just completely uh, invents the genres, yeah. it feels like, at that point yeah. in time. Um, yeah, I was, so gothic horror, sci-fi, those, I think that's all go here. Cool. Scientist, scientist yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think movies. Well, like, I mean, like I feel like Mad Scientist is kind of a subgenre, maybe. Like, and like I think I think a lot horror, of it kind yeah. of spurs from this. I think yeah. of like the Reanimator. Sure. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. It's like basically let's do Frankenstein, but yeah. in modern day type thing. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, how does this film fit into the must genre? Well, we're kind of defining that now, right? We're kind of defining yeah. that now. But, but I, I, like I said, as a kid, I I could even kind of tell this is like a definitive monster yes. movie, right? Well, you're talking about the themes of ideas yeah. that monster movies shouldn't always just be about. Ooh, scary monster! Right, there needs to be some sort of kind of meaning behind. It. I think the good ones have that again. Jurassic Park, Alien, etc. Like Jaws to some extent. Right. It's like there's something underneath the surface yeah. that is is kind of like like having the engine hum essentially. Well, I mean that's like the, that's I think that's the brilliance of horror and why I appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. Is like they can deal with social issues or they can deal with some aspect of humanity and yes. not be overt about it. Right, it's through metaphor. Yes. Um, and when done well, right. when done well is exactly. the thing. Um, but I mean, I would stack like some of my favorite horror movies up with the prestige dramas and the yeah, yeah. famous international films because they're dealing with similar conceits or similar and, concepts. And 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 this time it's it's dealing with the fears right. of society in that in that moment in time, and that could be here. It's like again, you're talking about you know, this is you're talking this movie's coming out about the the fear of what man is right able to do, and you're you're. It's post World War One, yeah, and Great Depression. Like. Great Depression is going on, but post World War One, where you ha- we have like this, this just a, a tragic, atrocious type war with, with like the way people have seen of, of like the tear gas and the trench warfare, and it's yeah. a, this is what people can do, and you're you're building in towards World War Two, where again you're seeing even worse the, yeah. what humans can be like, right. Uh, how evil it could be. It's like at the end of the day, who's the mon- who's the real monster here? Is exactly. it Frankenstein or is it, you know? And I'm not or, saying, or even just humanity's error. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that whales thinking about World War One and World War Two, but it's like, it, but it's, I mean, it's, it's in the ether. It's, it's yeah, in the yeah, ether yeah. of like this constant thought of how far humans right. will go. Um, well, it's like because World War One was kind of a jump in like warfare tactics and everything. Like, insane. Yeah. Yeah. So it's again, it's, it's like it, something they ne- nobody had ever seen ever before, seen before. Yeah. because yeah, and and it's again, it's a world at war. Yeah. It's not yeah. just a two. It's like it's like the whole world for the most part is at war, and so and that I mean the yeah. whole, the major countries are at war, um, multiple major countries. Right. So yeah, it's like, but you're you're kind of in the middle of that, and so I think you're seeing how f- and so you're you're questioning just because it can should we be doing this type thing? Right. Is there other ways around it? And and again, the arrogance and the obsessive nature of kind of of people yeah. in general, I think, is all very much in the character of Frankenstein. Absolutely. Um, and, and we should heed his warning. Yeah, is that just because we can play God, yeah. should we play God? Right, is the thing. Um, but yeah, is well, that it? That's it on Frankenstein. That's it on Frankenstein. We did it. We did it, David. Yeah. Uh, did we, we beat the time of the movie? Oh no, we're longer than the movie. <laughs> did we double it? No, yeah, okay. we didn't double it yet. Um, we're we're over it though. We'll yeah. I'll see if I can cut us in a little bit. Um, <laughs> so like, if you play it as a commentary, we were going way past it yeah, right yeah. now. Um, but yeah, that's it for for um for Frankenstein. Next week, we're talking about an American Werewolf in London. Uh, is the film we're talking about. So be prepared with that. Talking more about makeup and special effects with that film. Um, if you if you listened to us last month, we talked about Catherine Bigelow. Uh, Dave and I were on the Patreon for for last month talking about uh, the Lost Boys, which is a monster movie in our opinion. 
Uh, and then Argo, not a monster movie, but it's still a good movie nonetheless. Um, and kind of in comparison to the Bigelow movies, we talked about how these movies that came out the same year uh, in comparison to Bigelow's films, Lost Boys, Near Dark, and Argo with Zero Dark Thirty. Um, for the patrons, thank you so much for kind of supporting us and, and kind of helping us keep the show going and, and wanting more content. If you want more content and you're a listener, you can subscribe or you can basically pay for the, the the subscription fee one dollar five dollar ten dollars look at kind of the the levels we have the patrons or the kind of um tiers we have uh and if you can become a part of our our community that'd be really great if not we hope you keep listening to the show and support us by doing other things which i'm about to list for you uh if you have any questions for us you can always contact us at cinationpodcast.gmail.com uh since your questions comments and subscribe to the show that's one thing you can do by helping us out subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you listen to the show on apple spotify google stitcher wherever and most importantly if you haven't already be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform apple's usually the go-to but your five-star reviews really helped push the word out more about the show it helps us gain exposure and just by typing something simple as hey i like david doing the frankenstein episode then that's that'll be enough that'll be enough for all of us and but put five stars that's the big key um but that will be uh very helpful for the show uh and if you don't follow us on social media be sure to do so we're on facebook twitter instagram letterbox tiktok all that david as always thank you for joining me thanks for having me it's gonna be exciting month of monster movies monster Monster movie may it's gonna be great so you guys keep keep listening thank you all for listening and hope listen more episodes soon bye